Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
is so insane. What's up, boys and girls? How y'all doing? <clears throat> Yo, what's up, boys and girls? How y'all doing? How y'all doing out there, boys? Hey, what's up? I'm, I'm turning into a. I'm turning into a, an ethnic man uh, that runs a Catholic podcast. Hey, what's up? How y'all doing? Welcome everybody tonight. Oh, I'm trying to figure out the banging. People are like, quit banging on your desk. When I play your streams through my giant subwoofers in my tricked out van, the banging on the desk. Now I just figured out what they're talking about. I have no idea what they're talking about. I don't bang on the desk. They're talking about me putting my coffee cup down. That's what they're talking about. 
That's the banging on the desk. What the beat keeps banging. Bass. Booty bass. Booty bass banging. On the 808s. I want more bass. I want more booty bass. Banging on the 808. That's what it is. Tonight is going to be sophisticated, boys and girls. I'm not going to treat you as dummies. I'm not going to treat you as slow boys. I'm going to treat you as big people with big boy, big boy pants. Wearing the big boy pants, as Ivan says. And we're going to have to get a little sophisticated. We have to get a little sophisticated. Is you sophisticated? Or is you simple? Is you a basic bitch? Or is you sophisticated? If you would hit like and share, it's a late night stream for the heck of it. Why not? I mean, who who are you trying to tell me I can't? You ain't my mama, though I might be your daddy. <laughs> What's up to the slow boys in the audience? Look, slow boys in the audience, we're going to cure your slow boy tonight. We're going to go deep, homeboy. And we're going to get into, uh, so I'm reading two new books that are really good. There's not a whole lot left in the Ratsio book. We do have maybe one more lecture. So tonight is our, you know, geopolitical global elites type books, right? We're a good ways through this one. We could probably squeeze another lecture out of this one if we want to. Um, we've hit most of the historical meat. As, as uh, That's what she said. We've hit the historical meat. That's what she said. When it comes to the Milner Fabian group, because now uh, the rest of his book is moving up into the 20th century, which is fine. We need to know what all's going on in the EU. It's mainly about the EU in the 20th century, and particularly in the last 20 years. So, you know, I don't live in the EU, but it is very relevant uh, to know what what's the real influences behind not just the EU, but all of the Fabian socialist, you know, strategy. And, uh, Hackard said, you know, I, I, I was like, I don't know anything about the Stasi. I know about KGB. I know about CIA operations in the Cold War. But I don't know much about the Stasi. So he was like, oh, you got to get uh, John Kohler's book, The Stasi. Because East German Stasi, they obviously were linked with and coordinated with the KGB as well as the a communist secret police in um, all the other satellite satellite states, right? So they would they would coordinate with the Polish SB, I think it was called, and they would coordinate with KGB and with <clears throat> Hungarian intelligence and so forth. But the, during the communist uh, governances in Europe and the Soviet bloc countries. But, you know, this is its own apparatus that I didn't know much about. So I've not read this book yet, but the same author I noticed when I was buying these books has another cool text <clears throat> that really piqued my interest because it's something that we have actually touched on quite a bit, and that's Spies in the Vatican. Yes, we have our fancy document, Cam. Check this out. Booyah, look at that. So there's John Kohler's Spies in the Vatican, and it's the Soviet Union's Cold War against the Catholic Church. Now, 
the request that I'm going to have for everybody to be fast boys and not slow boys tonight, by the way, is another text I got. Thank you to whoever recommended this to me. I don't remember who it was. Aaron into the wilderness, the religion and the history of the CIA. That's going to be a good one too. Uh, these are all mainline academic texts. These are not texts that are written by conspiracy theorists. In fact, Kohler is a cold warrior, cold war historian. Let's see what his chops are. Foreign, co foreign correspondence for the uh, Associated Press for 28 years. Chief of the Berlin and Bonn bureaus. Served as assistant to president, director of communications under Reagan. So probably, you know, in some capacity doing intelligence analysis. Uh, and the other bio calls him, in, uh, yeah, as I thought, uh, former U.S. Army intelligence, uh, who then went into, and I don't know if he's Catholic, but he's very pro-Catholic, so probably. Now, this is going to get complicated. It's going to get complex because the point of this is not to pick the good guys and the bad guys. We're not here trying to figure out, oh, uh, KGB, we're the bad guys. Oh, wait, no, they're the good guys. No, wait, the CIA is the good guys. No, wait, the CIA is bad. That's not what we're doing here. A lot of bad guys all around. Now, do, do you, does anybody believe nowadays that when the CIA was aligning itself in the Cold War with the Vatican, that it was because they were ultimately at the top good people who wanted to see God's kingdom spread? No. Uh, it was all power plays. God has nothing to do with the modus operandi and the operating system of any of these power players, ultimately. So God kind of becomes this um, propaganda figure or this sort of thing that's used in these power struggles. And we're going to see this as we get into not just this, we're going to look at some fascinating things that I read. It's really amazing uh, academic paper on one of these Marian apparitions that will also give us a very important insight into religious engineering, how it works, how it was used in the Cold War. There you can see right here, we'll be covering this paper. The Virgin and the Bomb. And no, that was not... Well, I was about to make a dirty joke, but I won't go there. That is about Bayside and these ridiculous Bayside apparitions throughout the Cold War. And you'll notice that there's going to be some parallels with that and the apparitions of Medjugorje. The Medjugorje. And you say, well, how does this tie into what we're talking about with the Soviets? Is that Are you pro-Soviet? No. These people are monstrous people. And we're going to look in Kohler's book. We're going to see what were these tactics that they were using? And by the way, we're going to be talking about a movie tonight, too, that relates to this. So we're hitting on all cylinders, all the fields that we cover. This is a must-read for Cold War studies because even though this is about the Vatican and we're not Roman Catholics, this is about how the system runs. We're going to understand not just how the religious world was manipulated <clears throat> during the Cold War and what the agendas and and long-term goals were for both uh, the this the KGB the Stasi uh, as well as the West <clears throat> and how that's totally relevant to right now what's going on in the Vatican right now does it relate back to this yes it does but not in the way that most people and even the trads think because the trads think oh it was the West 
versus the commies and we beat them. <laughs> we won, dude. Oh, oh, really? Then how come the Vatican is so corrupt and moving into full-on Fabian socialism? Oh, because we didn't really beat them and they came back. Well, I thought you beat them. Oh, sort of, but then it, it was fake. They pretended to be dead, but now Putin's running a control operation to destroy the Vatican, and he runs the Fortune 100. Really? Putin? Putin runs the Fortune 100? Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, because he's put KGB agents and all that. No, I mean, come on. It gets to this levels of absurdity, right? But we're going to get an insight into some excellent chapters. We're not going to cover everything because, of course, this is the free paid half of my analysis, my tying together. <clears throat> how moles were put into the Vatican, what those moles did in some of these key chapters, how the attitude of Kohler in this analysis about how the alliance between the CIA and the Vatican was necessary to root out the KGB admits everything that we argue in my analysis inadvertently. So do you see why this is now relevant, why it matters? If you would hit like and share, Yes, it's going to relate to the Skittles. It's going to relate to the to the Whitney Webb style Blizzak mail. One nation under Blizzak mail. Jamie, could you bring the cord and plug this in? My, my battery is going to die. I'm talking about the battery of my heart, baby. Can you come bring the battery to my heart and plug it in? I was speaking figuratively. I don't have a pacemaker. So all you assassins out there that think you're going to fire an EMP over my house and shut down my pacemaker that was a joke dummy you didn't even know can you bring the power charger to my heart thank you she's not even smiling she's straight faced i think the jokes at a certain point they're just there it's like we're past all that <laughs> right she's just like let's, let's just get through this day ha 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 at least that's better than a preacher joke right oh my wife right well, she's the boss. Let's ask her what she says. <laughs> Boomer pastor jokes. <clears throat> uh, this is a really uh, good book. It's re really well written book, and it does. Unfortunately, it, it so just on the surface, this book fits into you know the classic Cold War dialectic, and oh, it's relevant because nowadays, uh, oh, Putin's taking over the world. This kind of stuff, right? So it's going to be kind of recycled. Um, it was written in 2009 and he talks about Benedict, but it relates to Benedict and the powers of the moved against Benedict as well. And, you know, as this kind of CIA normie analysis shakes out, it's amazing how many things it admits for our side, but beyond even the, the, the desire that we have to step beyond this goofy cold war dialectic, I want to highlight the modus operandi of the East German Stasi because it's blowing me away that the way they operated, the way they would extract confessions from you, the way they would use your confession against you, the way that they would take away your food and your rationing if you spoke against the state, the way that they set up the complete and total surveillance in the film that we're going to be talking about. It's a really excellent film presentation of this. The way that uh, you're harassed, the way that you, you're uh, pushed around, the way that you are potentially blackmailed. I mean, 
all of these technic techniques and tactics that they use that come up in the book against uh, the Roman Catholic prelates. These techniques and tactics, ironically, are like nothing compared to what Klaus and company want to bring in to the nth degree. So the irony here is that the bad guys here who are the East German Stasi, they're bad guys. They couldn't hold a candle to what Klaus and everybody wants to instantiate. And so it's just all the more absurd to act like, oh, we're still fighting the Cold War and our enemies are the KGB and the Stasi. When the West brought Marcus Wolf of the Stasi over under the Obama administration to advise on how to set up all of these new Stasi-like homeland security bureaucracies. Did you know that? So now I'm all interested in the Stasi just because it's a field that I don't know a whole lot about. And do you guys remember that when that came out? Let's see. Marcus Wolf was the uh, head of head of the East Germans counterintelligence, I think. Yes. And let's see. So he died in 2006. And I remember, because I know this is, you know, because Lord Voldemort talked about this back in the day. It might be scrubbed. <clears throat> uh, but does anybody remember? Maybe it was, uh, let's try Homeland Security. Does anybody remember this? Am I insane? Maybe I'm just making this up and I thought this was the case. Uh, Marcus Wolf's involvement in uh, former DDR. That's not it. <clears throat> KGB Stasi. No. Does anybody remember this? I know this is the case, right? Because I, I remember Alex reporting on it years ago. Uh, and that he consulted in some capacity on like how to set up this, this crazy stuff. Uh, I'm sure we, we have a lot of smart people in the chat. So does anybody remember this? Does anybody, do you guys even know who who that is? Uh, yeah, let's just block that dude. By the way, if you want to come debate, you're welcome to. I don't understand why the people who... Like, I always give these people opportunity to come debate. And it's just like pure slow boy energy. Slow boy energy in slow motion. No, there was a, a um, dead naming Alex. There was actually a thing about consulting on helping to set stuff up. Uh, I, I'm positive that now maybe Lord Voldemort just claimed that from an article or something. I don't know. Uh, now I can't find it, but anyway, that's out there somewhere. So what we want to understand <clears throat> is that, oh, here it is. Here, here we go. Found it. What article is this from? Okay. It's, it's a article that I guess Watson wrote in 2004. 
Political analyst Al Martin was ahead of the news curve reporting that Homeland Security hired Marcus Wolf. Wolf is the man that effectively built the East German state. Martin continues. He turned half the population into informants. That is especially... Oh, this is the other thing too, right? So you study the Stasi and it's all about informing on your neighbor. And the movie presents this in, a, in an amazing way. That you got to watch the movie that we're going to be talking about. If you guys haven't seen it, uh, it's called Das Leben der Anderen, The Lives of Others. And I've seen this movie many times over the years and only recently rewatching it in the last week getting into looking at this stuff. Do I really understand and appreciate that film? It was, it's just really well made and it has a good message too. <clears throat> the regime knows that, uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So I found the original article, but I don't know who wrote this prison planet. So I can I can believe I found that article, but I can't tell who wrote it or what the source is because it's just somebody repeating the article <clears throat> in a old uh, 2013 Yahoo, uh, Google group Yahoo group or something. So anyway, <clears throat> so <laughs> so what we want to understand is that the the strategy of the Stasi, which is weird because it's almost like it's almost like another kind of clergy, the way that they do confessions. Because you're confessing like you're confessing to a priest, but you're confessing your sins against the state, right? And then the state is lenient to you and this kind of stuff. And then I was thinking about how historically priests that have been recruited as spies would use people's confessions, which still goes on. People still do that. Um for blackmail purposes. <clears throat> and that comes up in this book too, right? That's, that comes up in some of the spies that uh, the Stasi had in place, and the KGB as well, in the Vatican, <clears throat> uh, were involved in all kinds of uh, schemes and whatnot. So let's set the stage to remind everybody of kind of the basics of where does uh, communist intelligence come from? Well, in <clears throat> so the Bolshevik Revolution happens in 1913 and we get these people who come into power who, pr who pretty quickly want a war against religion so the first editor of Pravda was Bukharin Bukharin said in Pravda the fight to death to the death is upon religion we must take upon religion at the spear of the bayonet so uh, no, I said 1913. I meant 1917. Excuse me. <clears throat> so the I, I always get 1913 is Federal Reserve, 1917 is Bolshevik Revolution. So when the Bolsheviks come to power, this results in, as many know, millions of Orthodox murdered. Uh, we don't know the exact numbers, but it basically it's uh, in the millions over the whole period. But early on, it was around it was like a hundred thousand. I mean, priests, clerics, monks. So they, they, they try to wipe out religion quite literally. And they'd set up what they called the <clears throat> um, Politburo and the NKVD. These are the intelligence apparatuses that come out of uh, the 
Bolshevik and Stalin era. In 1954, under Khrushchev, it is renamed to KGB. And one of the things they did was put a lot of fake clerics in. And we all know this. We've covered this for many years. Uh, Go listen to the interviews that we've done with Metropolitan Jonah on the history of KGB operations in the Russian Orthodox Church. And uh, Kohler is is fair to orthodoxy. He's he certainly is on the side of orthodoxy and all this madness, and talks about how uh, you know that, that Russia was it was crucial in, the, in in as a strategy for Russia to destroy Russian orthodoxy. And early, very early on, uh, I think uh, had the Cheka. So that's before the NKVD. NKVD is under Stalin, but under under the uh, Lenin, it was the Cheka. They already had Catholic and Orthodox spies even at that time. Uh, Lenin recruited, well, not Lenin himself, but the Cheka recruited a voluntary collaborator who was a young monk uh, in seminary who was known as being the most pious. (laughs) So the most pious guy was actually the uh, Cheka spy. And this was the first spy that the uh, Soviets were able to Bolsheviks were able to use in April 20, 1922 against the Catholics. So this was just one one of their Catholic spies they had in place. <clears throat> and uh, he has this interesting point that Pope Benedict XV, that's the Pope during World War One and the creation of the League of Nations, which, by the way, Benedict XV supported the League of Nations. You know, that's in the J.D. Kelly History of the Pope's book. Uh, the The Papacy, interestingly, donated $2 million for relief, which the Red Army goons just took. So I don't know why the Vatican thought that anybody was going to just accept. Like they were just going to dole out the $2 million? Or was this some kind of like, hey, we will give you money if you'll go easy on, you know, uh, religious people or something like that. I mean, there, there could have been multiple reasons why he just says that they donated money and then the uh, communist hierarchy just stole the money. Shocker. But they made it their uh, official policy after 1922, after Bukharin at Pravda in 1918 and then uh, Lenin in 1922. The campaign was set in place to eradicate religion and they set up special camps called the Slon. Special camp on Arch- Archipelago Solovki, which is Slon. And this was slave labor camps, gulags, etc., that they thought would help to eradicate religion. So they didn't immediately kill everybody. Sometimes they did. They sent 38,000 uh, clerics and intellectuals to these camps. And you became a worker for the state. So no more lazy monastic stuff. You now work for daddy state. It became even bloodier after the Lenin period in 1930, the NKVD successor, the NKVD, the successor to uh, Lenin's uh, GPU, revealed that in 1917, the Orthodox Church had already lost 42,000 clergymen, monks and nuns. And during this great purge of 1936 to 1938, 100,000 clerics and laymen were just straight up shot. In 19, by 1941, uh, the much smaller Catholic Church in Russia had had 1,000 clergymen executed. By 1932, the Soviet authorities had arrested 
20,000 priests and nuns. Uh, I think he means amongst the Orthodox, because if there was only a thousand, if there was not that many Catholics, they wouldn't have had 20,000 priests and nuns in Russia. So we, be, we begin to see the, <clears throat> the bloody uh, fanatical nature, right, of the Bolsheviks and the Soviets. And I point this out to say that, first of all, yeah, so these people are monsters. And this idea that people say, oh, you, you like KGB because you don't like the CIA. That's the stupidest, base, basic bitch, dialectical manipulation thinking imaginable. Why would I like the people that killed and martyred a bunch of people in my church? It doesn't make any sense. Of course, I don't like the KGB. It's just it's ridiculous. And yes, there were uh, cler clerics and people that were forced into this, right? People talking about, oh, well, uh, Kate, uh, Patriarch Alexei II. He had a code name, Blackbird. Yeah, and and that's not good. That's terrible. But you have to keep in mind that in that growing up in these situations, all, all kinds of people were put into these kinds of things, right? Ratzinger was a tiny mustache man youth. Does that make Ratzinger a adherent of tiny mustache man? No, it's just you were, if you were, I mean, that's like, so I grew up in the 80s and used to say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. So does that mean that I am a child uh, uh, of the Reagan fascists? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like you just, you grow, you grow up having to say the, the anthem. You don't even think anything about it. You don't know what this means when you're eight years old. So KGB set up in 1954. It takes the place of the previous instantiations. We're moving up into the Stalin era. And uh, he doesn't talk much about Stalin. Maybe he does later, but he gets into... Uh, the, the. This is fascinating. Now, and this backs up a lot of what we've seen in my Vatican geopolitical podcast that we covered in what a few couple months ago we did a few of those three maybe remember those and we, we looked at some of the liberals uh analyzing vatican ii as well as one of the pop the famous biographies of john the 23rd and we, we were talking about xavier wren the liberal uh, analyst for vatican ii we were talking about the john the 23rd biography man called john we went through a lot of that and this backs up a lot of that john the 23rd and paul the sixth interestingly hatched this vatican version of ospolitik okay this vatican version of uh, a kind of rapprochement with various socialist communist states okay and what's interesting is it, this is important to understand from this guy's analysis because, and he's not saying that Paul the sixth and John the 23rd were outright communists. Okay. So this is the trad cat line, all the trad cats. Oh, they were communists. No, 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 they're not. They're, they're serving a higher power. That's what I'm trying to get across to you. And that's the, and, the, and nobody seems to figure this out in the trad cat world, except for John, excuse me, for David Wimhoff. Okay. Wimhoff has figured all this out. He's the one that has really solved this whole puzzle. So, I want to make sure I have the right definition. Yeah, so this idea of no longer being in an oppositional stance, <clears throat> right, between the West and the Soviet Union is the notion of uh, Ostpolitik, right? 
What the heck? Why is it all squished over? That's not right. We don't want that. Hmm. Thank you for the super chats, by the way, guys. Appreciate that. Uh, you can support the show via super chats. Hey, we got a nice. Uh, it's nice to have up in the hundreds people really wanting to learn. Why is my thing all weirded out? Weird, weird focus like that. There we go. That's better. Can you read that now? Still can't read that. Anyway, it's because I messed with the <clears throat> ratios and all that. Anyway, so. <clears throat> the relationship between John the 23rd and Paul the 6th was much more open and they had <clears throat> very intimate connections and relationships with a lot of the uh, socialist leaders and there's a there's a particular figure uh, that we don't know a whole lot about unless you get into this stuff named Cardinal Casaroli and no that's not a dish it sounds like a dish but let's see if we can find this character character because he's not a communist but a lot of people called him a communist because he supported the Vatican's Ostpolitik policy of Paul the sixth you guys see that yeah over against uh, what will become a Cold War pivot with John Paul the second and that's what's going to be really crucial here to understand the geopolitical symbolic Cold War importance of John Paul II and his direct 100% alignment with the CIA in the Cold War to put an end to the uh, Soviet superstructure. John Paul II plays an immense role in this. And so what we're going to learn is that, okay, it's not all about religious nerd theology right and when i was in my 20s i thought it was all about religious nerd theology and then when you're traditional catholic you think oh it's all about the masons you know destroying the vatican and then you grow up and you learn a little more about how the world really works and you realize oh actually there's a lot of geopolitical power at play here particularly intelligence agencies trying to co-opt and steer and use these institutions particularly the catholic church as a giant Western NGO form of soft power. And that's exactly what Brzezinski tells us. When we understand that, when we understand how important and how correct Mr. Wimhoff's book is, then you're, you're, then you're starting to understand how the world really works. So I hope we understand that. Cannot stress how important this book is. John Courtney Murray, Time and Life Magazine, The American Proposition. How the CIA's Doctrine of Warfare Changed the Catholic Church. This is also back in print now. I have the older print. <clears throat> but that book is very important and very super relevant to what we're talking about tonight. But this is more of a focused insight analysis into how they set up these networks. And it wasn't just the Stasi, the KGB, and the other, uh, the Polish uh, SB, which was the Polish Communist Secret Police, they recruited their first bishop, Bishop Dabrowski. Interesting. So they had recruited this guy. Let's see this. And by the way, this is only declassified. He says, 
in 2007. So we don't. A lot of this is like new information people don't even know about. So the Polish bishop. No, that not this guy. This is like in the 60s. <clears throat> It can't be that dude. That dude's too young. It's not Joseph Dabrowski. No, Jersey. Jersey Dabrowski. That's his name. Let's try that. Je uh, these weird Polish names. Mm. Well, that says Jersey Dabrowski. That didn't look like a bishop. <laughs> that looks like a... I don't know what that dude looks like. Uh, well, maybe we can't find a thing on this guy. That's interesting. <clears throat> but I will show you that it's in the text so that you don't think I'm just saying this. So here you go. Here's our, fam our little book cam. Don't you like the book cam? Look at that. There you go. You'll notice... Polish Security Services had recruited... Bishop Dabrowski, the spy, wearing the collar, was most likely the late Bishop uh, Jersey Dabrowski. Died in 1991 at the age of 61. This was not declassified until 2007. Secret police file. His code name was Ignacy. Uh, blah, blah, blah. He supplied secret confidential documents from the Vatican to the KGB. Uh, his Polish SB handlers paid him the equivalent of 100 bucks. So he was not very difficult to <laughs> spies on the cheat right there now then he gets into the uh what was going on at vatican ii what uh, dabrowski was uh, passing on to the polish secret police during vatican ii and he notes that um they were worried about the traditional contingent within the church getting the upper hand and wanting to go into a more offensive anti-communist stance in the Cold War. And so this actually caused the KGB to want to ramp up uh, spying on the Vatican during this time period. And John Twenty-Third was known by, to, the, to the Soviets, to the KGB, as... Um, not particularly anti-communist. They weren't. They weren't worried about John the Twenty Third. So even though he wasn't openly communist, um, John the Twenty Third had promised Nikita Khrushchev that there would not be attacks on communism, and that Vatican II would not go after communism. So that's now admitted by your mainline AP intelligence analysis man, Mister Kohler. So it's not a conspiracy theory. It's not a trad cat made up thing. And then the SB uh, pushed Dabrowski and, and other moles they eventually got to up ramp up surveillance on people in the Vatican to figure out who the networks were of the most anti-communist in the Vatican. So then it turns out the Polish spy Dabrowski prepared a top secret report called the Anti-Communist anti Centers Within the Vatican. And I'll let you guys, you can see this so you think, you know, says up to the end of the Vatican Council one was able to observe the dual activity of 
against the socialist countries. And he goes on to say the double game, consider the Vatican of using all official institutions of the church and the propagation of politics for the propagation of politics, obtaining certain objectives in relation to socialist countries. A few capitalist states create an extensive network of covert propaganda and subversion, subversive centers in a number of Western European countries, particularly to set up unofficial activities, welfare, welfare, science, and cultural institutions for the battle against communism. Now, my point in that is to say, you'll notice that the KGB were on to the fact that the Vatican was now setting up all of these propaganda and counterintelligence operations against communism. And who was involved in helping that? The Jesuits involved themselves in these activities at this time. Not all of them, some of them. And the goal was to align with the CIA, as we learn about in the next couple chapters, To beat the cold, to win the Cold War. In this regard, Jesuits have displayed. This is Dabrowski giving his communique to his Polish secret police communist overlords. They played a, a particular interest in assuming a leading role in activities, especially the Jesuits wanted to be involved in anti-communist activities, independent of the sec secretariat. Talking about these Jesuits, existing Vatican centers continue their ex uh, activities chiefly aimed against socialist countries the reason being infiltration of these centers being absolutely essential so in other words the Vatican is involved in espionage work and admittedly is now linked with the CIA and not just the did the KGB figure this out this is admitted throughout the book now he goes on to say that <clears throat> the Vatican II reports uh, listed all the people that were uh, concerns, blah, blah, blah. The Vatican was well-seasoned when it came to playing the game of espionage and subversion. And the prime target in this network was the figure of Archbishop Agostino Casaroli, the Vatican's secret agent. He was known for his travels to the communist states he would arrive in civilian clothes and he would meet with communist officials. Eventually, every department of the Roman Catholic Church had been penetrated by various operatives of the KGB and the Stasi. Now, the uh, Cardinal Casaroli, we find out in other chapters and in other books that are just as important to, <laughs> to the story as this book, is the amazing text, which I'm really enjoying, Operation Gladio by Paul Williams. The Unholy Alliance of the Vatican, the CIA, and the Mafia during the Cold War. So remember, real world politics is not about good guys and bad guys. It's about how the world really works. We're not going to find easy good guys and bad guys at this level. By the way, if you guys want to support the show, do so via the Super Chat function, which is via Streamlabs. <clears throat> you can support us via Streamlabs by giving your Super Chat to me, and I will read it and love you. So give me money and I'll love you more. That's how it works. The next chapter, he goes on to discuss the period of East Germany in particular and how the West was worried when 
Fabian socialist Willy Brandt was elected mayor of West Berlin. So now the West Berlin people are starting to be socialists because they had a party that was winning there called the SDP, the Socialist Demokratische, the Social Democrat Party, which is just a bunch of uh, uh, Stasi. So the Stasi had helped set up a West German party. And this is confusing to people because people, oh, well, the West German, that West German, that was freedom in America. No, Willy Brandt is, is mentioned by Ratu as one of the key Fabian socialists. So the Fabians were the real winners out of all this because they were the people above this dialectic, many of them, as well as, I mean, the, the Rockefeller types, right? Because they were winning at this time. And by the way, they're still winning. I mean, the whole superstructure of the United Nations, IMF, EU, is is Fabian Socialism. This is what we've been learning, right? So they've got their Soviets in the East. And now they're getting Fabian Socialists in the West. And those guys are on the same team. And the CIA was concerned because Paul VI was very close to these people. But Paul VI, we find out, was actually helped into office via the CIA, according to Paul Williams. Now, who's Paul Williams? Oh, he's a conspiracy theorist. No, he is was consultant to the FBI. Right there. Professor. Not a conspiracy theorist. Professor. We only work from academic texts. You understand that? If I'm working from a tinfoil crackpot kook, I will tell you. I will say this is my theory. And this is out there. This is fringe speculation. We're not doing fringe speculation right now. We're working from Dr. Paul Williams, journalist, author of many books, blah, blah, blah. Journalist, blah, blah, blah. Served as consultant for the FBI. And University of Scranton Professor of Humanities, Paul Williams. Now, this is a book that fits perfectly what with all these other books. And there's quite a bit on Cardinal Casaroli in here. And all of his connections to the, what? The Vatican Bank. So, excellent chapters in this book about the Vatican Bank. Now, again, this is from a professor consults the FBI not a crazy conspiracy theorist and wouldn't you think that maybe he would know if he's consulting the FBI on money laundering and what goes on at the Vatican Bank and the CIA support of the Vatican Bank from 1947 the period when William Colby was in Italy and they were setting up Gladio under Pius XII and in the 1940s up to 19. Yeah, so $65 million from the CIA to the Vatican Bank in 1948. So are you beginning to see that it's not about ideas? Ideas are part of it. It's about power structure. It's about geopolitics. And some of these key characters are also, uh, even in these mainline texts, part of the P2 Lodge, which is the Masonic Fascist Lodge, 
of Italy, which included Cardinal Vilo, the right-hand man of Paul VI. Paul VI, Secretary of State, is Cardinal Vilo, and Paul VI is working directly with Cardinal Casaroli, both the sort of political uh, diplomat figures for the Vatican. Following the papal audience in 1970, the chancellor met with Cardinal Velo, Paul VI's Secretary of State, and the Archbishops Benelli and Casaroli, both members of the State Secretariat of the Vatican. The Vatican's a city-state, for those who don't know. And this meeting was separately reported to the KGB via Polish intelligence by an agent ensconced within the offices of Paul VI. Fabian socialist Willy Brandt was quoted as expressing satisfaction in Paul VI and that the Paul VI Ostpolitik of the Vatican would be beneficial to the SDP, the Social Democrat Party, the Stasi Party of West Germany, not East Germany, West Germany. Okay, does that make sense? Because you see, they're beginning to see how this works, right? I thought this was funny that uh, Colonel Spellman, who many people think was also uh, blackmailed and playing a, a role for the CIA and all this, uh, went on a Vatican-sponsored campaign to encourage Italian Americans to urge all their relatives in the old party or in the old country to vote against Togliatti and the communists. And they called upon Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby, and Gary Cooper to rise up against <laughs> the communists in Italy. Now, I'm not for the communists in Italy. I'm just pointing out that you understand all of this money and influence and alliance that occurred in this time period between the CIA and the Vatican is part of the reason why nowadays it's the same line from Francis and Klaus. You see that it's all the same masters. That's the point. And it's not that hard to figure out. It's not even... I mean, if you just look past the dialectics, it's obvious to see what... It's it's clear what's going on, right? But most people can't do that. They won't do that. They're so ensconced in... If you don't side with the CIA, then you must be part of KGB and you must be part of the communists, which is just silly. I mean... Just think about organized crime. So when two organized crime figures go to war against each other, uh, is somebody good and somebody bad? Or can they both be bad? I mean, why are we so naive and silly and childish and all this? For example, he he alleges Colonel Cody actually was a CIA operative, uh, amongst many others. But it's the CIA that gets John Paul I elected uh, after Paul VI. They had, they had helped Paul VI get elected too. And this relates to what they had hoped would be done with the Vatican Bank. But of course, the figure of John Paul II was a huge problem because now between Kohler and Williams, they come from totally different sides of the spectrum. Kohler has this sort of neocon Cold Warrior attitude. Williams has a very critical uh, of the CIA approach. But they both admit that John Paul II is this key CIA figure serving this agenda. And now you're going to start to understand why John Paul II did a lot of what he did. This makes perfect sense as to why he pushed the Assisi gatherings. Why Vatican II was so crucial. But according to Williams, under John Paul I, 
it was made known because it was published in L'Osservatore Politico, a newsletter uh, published by Mino Picorelli. 121 leading Catholic clerics of that time, under John Paul I, were in the lodges connected to Licio Gelli and the P2. That's the P2 mafia, high-level uh, fascist Freemasonry. One of those uh, initiates was Cardinal Vilo, known as Jeani, as his secret name in the Zurich Lodge. Uh, he was initiated August 6, 1966. Another of those, let's see, get this. Beyond uh, Cardinal Vilo was Cardinal Baggio, his Masonic name Siba, Lodge 85-1640, initiated August 14, 1967. The Pope and his associates made contacts with the authorities and received confirmation that Colonel Baggio indeed was a Freemason in good standing. By the end of the day, John Paul had received verification that the mem John Paul I. Members of the Catholic dignitaries in Masonic lodges, including also Casaroli, his foreign minister. So Casaroli is sort of like this Vatican Kissinger figure, right? He's like a Vatican, you know, Brzezinski, basically, right? He's in the background. And he's also apparently, according to Williams, part of P2. According to this uh, Italian newspaper in the 1970s. This, as you can imagine, is what leads to the assassination of John Paul I. Yes, so you guys can begin to see where this is going. And that relates directly to the Vatican Bank. And last but not least, one of the key figures in all the Vatican Bank scandals was also another one of the initiates, uh, Archbishop Paul Marcinkus. And it is Marcinkus that leads us directly to the death of John Paul I due to the discovery that uh, the Institute of... It was called the... The Vatican Bank is called the Institute of Religious Works. The discovery that it was a giant international black ops, black money, black funding funnel. And there's a lot of books on this. There's a lot, I mean, but you know, and a lot of people talk about this, but people forget this, that that's the, that's the, that's the overall thing with John Paul the first. So hopefully we all know that. Right. And, uh, guess who was the cleanup man? Cardinal Bilo. Cardinal Vilo is the one that discovered him, took away his shoes and his affects, which have never been seen. And people think that that's because he threw up on him because he didn't die of myocarditis, but he was poisoned and threw up. And so that's why Cardinal Vilo, who found him and removed his effects, has never, nobody ever knew what happened to, to his affects. And so Cardinal Vilo got John Paul II elected. And that was why he was tied to Bishop Marcinkus, Colonel Velo, and Licio Gelli, the Vatican banking figure. So Colonel Velo played a key role as well as Casaroli in sort of being these go-betweens to the CIA and to these Vatican figures. Um, but they wanted Voitia. Why do they want Voitia so much? Well, guess what? That is explained in the Kohler book. This one, 
because of John Paul's anti-communist stance. Now, you might say, well, that makes John Paul a good guy. No, no, no. It makes John Paul anti-communist. <laughs> it doesn't make John Paul a good guy. And the reason it doesn't make him a good guy is because John Paul knew that the power plays and what would be necessary to win the Cold War would mean this. Accepting the doctrinal warfare program of the CIA, aligning itself with the CIA as this key figure, Jesuit John Courtney Murray himself, who was working with the CIA, did. And basically aligning, basically having weekly meetings with William Casey, Ronald Reagan, Kissinger, and all these figures. Henry Cabot Lodge. They would literally just fly over there and, and tell John Paul what to do. And John Paul was, okay, yeah, sure. Because he worked with those people and for perhaps even for those people. And so the next chapter deals with basically Kissinger briefing Paul VI multiple, probably multiple times. And this piqued the interest of the KGB. They go, whoa, Kissinger's flying over there and telling him what to do? So do you understand the Vatican is not fighting against the globalists for you? The Vatican is not there to put an end to communism. He said, but, but John Paul's putting an end to communism. No, no, putting an end to the Soviet version what continues on after this fabian socialism fabian socialism is not completely identical to sovietism because after stalin sovietism takes a more anti-western approach because stalin doesn't accept the marshall plan marshall plan aid Stalin tries to reinvigorate this nationalist idea i'm not saying that makes stalin a good guy i'm saying that was his strategy and that made a lot of these people not like Stalin. But a lot of the socialists who didn't like Stalin didn't give up their socialism, particularly the Fabians. And so that's what's so crucial to understand. That's what helps to understand all of this gibberish, this Cold War stuff. Here's another, another page. Kissinger advising Paul VI again. Kissinger told the Pope the Soviet Union was very interested in economic cooperation, that the USA would be a quick and positive, what was in a quick and positive conclusion to the European Security Conference. So now you say, well, but that's what's weird about that. Of course, uh, Kissinger is going to be. No, wait a minute. This means that this alliance, which is not a conspiracy theory, is confirmed by cold warriors who support it. Do you understand? So th this is vindicating everything in this. The only difference is that this is pro and this is critical. It's a criticism of it. But the facts are not disputed. That's the point. The conversation between Paul VI and Dr. Kissinger is the last spy report that I found in the Stasi files. So this guy went and dug up all the Stasi files when they were declassified. In fact... There are, uh, it is likely that other documents, including the meetings with John Paul II and Carter, Reagan, 
and the other top U.S. officials, that is William Casey, of course, because we know that from the, uh, what's that guy's name? The Mossad book guy. Gordon Thomas has the chapter on John Paul II meeting uh, with William Casey regularly during this period. But it is just as possible that the Vatican spy catcher Casaroli had successfully sanitized the Pope's secretariat by the time of John Paul II. So by the time of John Paul II, it, it's, he's saying it's very likely that most of the Soviet moles had been rooted out. But this next chapter that I want to get to, and kind of we're going to go, this one's even more enlightening because this is where we get into the real Vatican alliances with the CIA and the propaganda elements and uh, aid that the CIA gave to John Paul at his time in the Vatican. So in 1984, the KGB held a big conference. And at this KGB conference, they were very concerned with John Paul II and the Roman Curia support for the aggressive course that the U.S. administration wanted to take in Latin America in respect to liberation theology. Now, it is true that there's a layer to which liberation theology is Marxist, yes, but I'm going to show you something I found. Oh, crap. What was that essay called? I've got it. Let me see. I've got it right here. I have to find the, <clears throat> the title of it. It's an academic paper that somebody wrote, and they stumbled upon what I'm talking about. Let's see if we can find that. So it's not Cord Meyer's call for world government. It's not Aldrich talking about the OSS and CIA. By the way, it wasn't the, the tiny mustache man that created the EU. I don't know if you know that. It was not mustache man. Most people think that no, no, the EU was creation of the Fabians and the uh, the Americans. It was OSS CIA that created the EU. People don't know that. But let's find this paper. Now I'm not going to be able to find it. Crap. What's it? It's called... Um, I'm lost in all this Cold War stuff now. Paper is called... Reagan... No. Rockefeller and Liberation Theology. That's it. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> now check this out. This is this is. Yeah, I know it's a preview. Let me see the preview. Okay, let's make sure everybody can see this. All right. So this is uh, an academic paper written by Teresa Kelly. And this is about a 1969 Rockefeller report on the Catholic Church in Latin America. Now, most people think, oh, liberation theology is just simply Marxist and, you know, the Catholic Church hates their liberation theology. Now, certain elements in the Catholic Church that are trad, yeah, they don't like liberation theology because, yes, it has this Marxist overlay. Sure. <coughs> Worker priests, socialist priests, Jesuits in Latin America, yes, they got into liberation theology. But wait a minute, liberation theology, we, we learn, is actually amenable to the big name globalists, particularly the Rockefellers 
And the Rockefellers were big proponents of the social gospel, which is a predecessor to the liberation theology. So don't get lost in the Cold War jibber-jabber because as this white paper or this academic paper notes, since the 1970s, both U.S. foreign both foreign and U.S. opponents of the U.S. Central American policy cited the 1969 Rockefeller Report on the Americas, the official report of a United States presidential mission for the Western Hemisphere as the beginning of a U.S. government effort to eradicate liberation theology. During the 1980s, progressive Catholic press across the United States emphasized the similarities between the report and Reagan's approach to Central America. But critics' charges are misplaced. The report supported the church's leftward turn. Nelson Rockefeller was the reason. Early report drafts and the Rockefeller's comments reveal that he enthusiastically welcomed the Medellin documents. It was family planning that preoccupied Rockefeller, not the communist subversion. 1989, the pastoral letter of Archbishop uh, Prospero Panados del Barrio of Guatemala railed against the Protestants' influence. From 1969 to 1989, Guatemalan Protestants increased from 2%, blah, 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 blah. So you'll notice that Nelson Rockefeller, there's nothing wrong with the liberation theology. That's a good thing. Yeah, because his family would be all for that. Because Marxist liberation theology supported Depop and family planning. Now, I'm just making that point that it's not really about, they weren't really worried about communism. Now, there are traditional elements within the church that didn't like it. And there were liberation theologians who were absolutely Marxist. Sure, of course. By the way, guys, if you would hit like and share. And if you want to come to our live event, you you need to get your ticket right now. Right? We are going to be live with the philosopher uh, comedy himself. Uh, you know him as B.G. Cumbie, right? Don't you guys want to come see this live in Austin? Why would you not want to be at this amazing event? Look at this. Look at that. Funko Pops? Pimp Cane? Why would you not come to that? There's a Funko Pop that's going to get destroyed in person. Shout out. I'm going to be... There's a debate, in case you guys don't know. I debate the Funko Pop. And if you don't understand how that happens, you got to be there. How do I? How do you get there? Well, you go and get your tickets, dude. Go get your ticket by signing up right here February 11th in the chat there's that I mean you all know BG Combi is like super funny right super smart he's the only dude ever to hit on Greta and Matt and be successful like he slid into Greta's DMs and I don't know I don't know if they're engaged or what now but they're moving along at a rapid pace they might even need to cool it a bit they're getting a little hot and heavy I don't know but no, nobody else has macked on Greta well, BG did. So you want to go meet him. You want to go meet me, Jamie. It's going to be five hours of madness because the first two hours is comedy. The next three hours is intense intellectual meat for the fast boys and girls out there. So head on over to Eventbrite. Get your tickets. It's not that expensive. It's a. It's going to be. It's everybody says it's a party. Remember when we did my my other event? A lot of y'all were there. We had uh, 120 people at the first event, 100 people at the Orlando event. It was a dang party. Go get your tickets right now. 
February 11th, Austin, Texas, right outside of the dang college. What are you doing? Oh, it's cold. Wear a coat. Well, I don't want to drive down there. Take a Uber. Fly a plane. You can get there. Ride a horse. Not a cowboy. <laughs> ride, ride a cowboy. What's that stupid country song? I mean, you never know what you're going to get. You got to get down there to the event. It's going to be fun. Get your tickets now at Eventbrite. Now, uh, we're not doing that. Where are we at? So back to the Vatican KGB book. So the Stasi came up with these objectives once uh, the KGB had their giant meeting in 1984. And the Stasi objectives were that uh, they were concerned the Vatican had now made closer alliances with the CIA. Now, it's not new because the Vatican had made these alliances back at the time of Vatican II. And it was the CIA that had a big role in pushing a lot of the Vatican II documents, including the Americanist documents. That's the key thing here. It's called the Doctrinal Warfare Program because the goal was to turn the Roman Catholic Church into an NGO, a form of soft power. If you don't know what NGO and soft power is, then don't be over here trying to debate me and call me conspiracy theorists because you don't know basics. Go learn what those things are. They were concerned, Stasi objectives during this time period. Figure out the position of the Pope and those closest to him. Figure out the relations of the Vatican's uh, with the largest capitalist states in the world, as well as with the People's Republic of China and other socialist states. The third objective was the activity of the Vatican to broaden and strengthen the influence of Catholicism in Latin and South America and Africa. Participants agreed that it was time to go into operational work and counter-propaganda at this time. The key objective would be to expose the subversion and propaganda of the Vatican. Get this. Specifically listed as targets were the National Catholic Organizations and the educational institutions such as the Gregorian. Why? Because the CIA and the Vatican connected together to run these operations. These differences, this is quoting, I think, one of these uh, KGB communiques, and it says, or Stasi communiques, it says, these differences, especially those with the supporters of the hardline Ostpolitik of the Pope and the opposition must be exploited. The reactionary activities of right-wing Catholics and the connection of the Vatican to the CIA and the secret services of the NATO states and the anti-social subversive elements in the West must all be unmasked. So it's, they had figured this out, these alliances, and now it was the, the goal to expose it. KGB and the Soviets were concerned because the Vatican had also sent many missionary spies into socialist countries. At this time, Cardinal Casaroli, who had developed a close connection to Opus Dei, uh-oh, what's Opus Dei? It's a giant billion-dollar racket that was set up under John Paul, that basically was recognized under John Paul I to have a apostolic, they call it a papal preliture, which means that Opus Dei, like the Jesuits or whatever, is independent. They only answer to the Pope. Now, Opus Dei ends up, where is that at? There's a whole chapter on Opus Dei, and this is really good. Now I can't find it. Here we go. 
This is crazy. It's just a big money funding, fun, funneling racket, dude. Because even the married people that join Opus Day, they sign over their all of their possessions, their money, and their inheritance to Opus Day. And so by 1984, Opus Day had uh, amassed three billion dollars in assets. Now, part of the reason that Opus Day got uh, a boost. And guess who was a key member of Opus Day? CIA Director William Casey. Well, they put a bunch of money into uh, helping John Paul pay all of the pedo lawsuits. So the deal was, we'll give you a bunch of money for your lawsuits and you make Opus Day this special entity given, you know, super papal approval or whatever. And it doesn't just have uh, William Casey. It also has a bunch of other corporate people in it, as well as a Mormon. <laughs> not sure how a Mormon, but again, it's not about your, it's about money, dude. Who, it's not hard to figure out. So that Opus Day becomes a Cold War funneling. Are you beginning to see what the, this is not about good works, dummies. It's spycraft. It's geopolitics. Oh, it's all about piety. No, that's for the dummies that don't can't tell what's going on. Right? The dummies think it's just about theology and piety. It's actually a big racket to pay off these things and to send money into these op- areas for Cold War operations. According to FBI consultant Paul Williams. Do you see any conspiracy theories involved in that? No. It's just academics talking about criminal organizations. So. <laughs> it gets even crazier because the whole rest of this chapter is about the uh, actual Sicilian crime families involved in the Vatican Bank. Many of whom ended up going to jail during this time so they did all these busts in the 80s like early 80s the Sindona crime syndicate and in 1980 60 Gambinos were busted in this bust and then I just looked the other day and it was like a whole other bust in 2019 of like the same syndicate this is just (laughs) so this stuff still is still going on or it's not it hasn't gone away watch this uh, Gambinos busted. I think it was the New York Post. Uh, no, there's one from 2019. So you guys can't see that. So let me go over here. I don't know. My screen's all off. I got it all jacked up. Uh, let's see, 2019. Oh, there we go, 19. So, not as many as the 1980 bust, but still, it's no small bust, right? There we go. You guys can see that. So, 
So, I mean, it's just still going on is the point, right? This didn't go away. New York's Gambino family uh, got slammed during a series of coordinated attacks or uh, uh, attacks, police raids triggered by WhatsApp. <laughs> Why are you using WhatsApp? That's Facebook. Come on, guys. You guys got to be smarter than this. Um, 18 mobsters arrested with connection. Whoa, dude. With connections to Sicily, Costa Nostra, right? What's what's funny is that this is the same Inzerillo, that guy right there. That's the same family as what's mentioned in this book that was busted in the 1980s, Salvatore Inzerillo. He was murdered on May 11th as he was about to step into his bulletproof car after leaving his house. After leaving the house of his mistress, what would follow was a bloodbath between 1981 and 1982. More than 200 members of Inzerillo's family became victims of the white shotgun, which is uh, killing in a way in which your body is never found, while the Corleonese family suffered no uh, casualties. They were at war, these two, these two families. Oh, by the way, so who was the good guy in that? <laughs> right? These uh, low-level dialectical boys. Um but this relates to Gladio because these are the organized crime figures that were helping to fund and were in Gladio, P2 and Gladio, Operation Gladio. Thanks in part to the antics of Sindona, this clan had lost the protection of the Italian government and the overlords of Gladio. By 1982, 72 men of respect. So, so the CIA overlords uh, just uh, gave them up. So this is what you make an alliance with these guys. And they screw you over. They don't care. They just hand you over to the to the uh, cops. Seventy-two men of respect with ties to Salvatore Inzerillo went on trial in Palermo. Warrants were issued. Fifty more uh, soldiers and business associates, uh, including uh, Michel Sindona. Now, Michel Sindona is key because he is the organized crime Vatican Bank figure. So he's the main guy involved in the connect between the Vatican Bank and organized crime. Michel Sindona. And the crazy part was with one of these guys, might have been Sindona, let's see. They staged an abduction. Like he was wanted and they faked his abduction. <laughs> that was funny. Um so there you go. So that that's what CIA funding is all about for Opus Day and the Institute of Religious Work, the works of God. Mm. It's just power plays, dude. It's geopolitics. Again, great book. Now, I haven't finished that book uh, yet, and I haven't finished the Kohler book, but I've read quite a few chapters in it, and we want to look at the last of these before we move to this Marian stuff, because the Marian stuff relates directly to this as well, as you're going to see. Uh, let's get these. We don't need that anymore. <clears throat> so, Colonel Casaroli, as we said, this figure who is uh, was inducted into the lodge and is meeting with uh, now the National Security Council. Colonel Casaroli, John Paul's Secretary of State, was no stranger to Washington. He met with Reagan and consulted with the USNSC. 
the National Security Council. So the Vatican is basically just a vassal state of these people. Because they're being bailed out and they're being told what to do to win the Cold War. And so although Paul VI was for a time closer to the socialists, the CIA ends up fully aligning with John Paul II. So they found their man in John Paul II. And in fact, they even helped him get elected in the papal conclave, according to Williams and maybe even Kohler. But I think Williams definitely, Williams says that 100%, that the CIA helped John Paul get elected. Um, so, and we know this also because the KGB had figured out and had taps on all of these communiques and all of these all of this collusion between the Vatican and the CIA. In 1984, the Stasi had a German monk named Eugene Brammers who was active as a spy and it says uh, he sent communiques back and forth. <clears throat> Some of these were destroyed, however, the spying monks sent a lot of information to East Berlin and that was then shared with the KGB. And it says that the information, a few aspects of collaboration between Reagan administration and the Tradcat groups. Another report dealt with the aftermath of the assassination attempt on John Paul II, which Williams alleges was a uh, fake flag operation to help in the Cold War because that made JP2 a victim. Uh, it was not uh, done by a random KGB man. It was done by a Turkish mobster who was aligned with the CIA and had worked in these CIA-funded groups called the Wolf Pack. In so Turkish Mafia Wolf Pack assassination thug groups that the CIA had funded and helped. He's not a KGB killing John Paul for the, uh, for the Soviets, although Kohler does say that at one point early on they discussed the assassination of John Paul II. But does not. But according to Williams, it was not. That was not the motivation of Aliagka when he went after John Paul II. The only people that benefited from that were the Cold Warriors and the CIA because it made John Paul a victim. This describes positions and operational method of the uh, BND, West German intelligence, the American CIA and the Vatican and their entanglements together with the Catholic Church and the secret services. So this monk is sending communiques saying that the Vatican and the CIA are aligned, is the point, particularly under John Paul. John Paul is the key figure for that. This then leads to, in Poland, one of the key elements for defeating communism there and it was also a symbolic victory was the CIA funding that went into solidarity I'm sure you know what solidarity is right that's the Polish uh, party the operation with Lech Walesa and so following the, the lifting of martial law in Poland the country enjoyed a relative calm that it had not known for a decade although the outlawed solidarity party continued to operate under underground its activities were financed by the CIA and the Vatican clandestine printing presses continued to produce anti-government leaflets and secret radio periodicals so again vatican ca completely linked putting the money into solidarity that is lecavalesa's uh party 
Uh, interestingly, there was a meeting between John Paul II and the head of the Stasi, Eric Honecker. Is it Eric Honecker? And Honecker is referenced in the movie that we're going to be talking about tonight, right? So he, he actually comes up in uh, Lives of Others because that takes place under the period when Honecker was the head of the East German Stasi. Now, then again, we get Kohler mentioning the close collaboration between the CIA and the Vatican for media operations. That was a big key thing, too. So what we're, what the picture that's being painted here is that they're creating this mega figure of John Paul as this Western anti-communist and ultimately Americanist Pope because the theology of Vatican II that is so important for what Wim Hof argues is Americanism and the ecumenism is part and parcel with the Americanism those go hand in hand together that's crucial to understand that's the thesis of this book. We've already done, I think, six, seven hours of talk from this book. So if you haven't watched those, go watch those because they directly relate to this. And as he notes, as a defender of this position, John Paul is a huge Cold War symbol figure. That's the key here. So they're setting up John Paul II as this Cold War figure, Cold War symbol, Kohler says. And you can only imagine once that he's in that place and they have this, what is probably a staged assassination attempt, totally makes him the victim, totally helps a symbolic martyrdom or quasi-martyrdom, right? And uh, Margaret Thatcher, British intelligence, are also involved in uh, aligning with the Vatican to push propaganda. The uh, events with... So the success of Lekawalesa and his party, the symbolic actions of John Paul II and his almost assassination, these lead to eventually the fall of the wall. And then this the famous Malta meeting that George Bush Sr. organizes with John Paul II and Gorbachev. And by the way, if you don't know, George Bush Sr. was CIA director for, I think, a year. And if you don't remember, we made a big deal. We, we talked quite a bit of, when we covered this disinformation operation known as Malachi Martin's Keys of This Blood. There's a significant section devoted in this book to the Malta meeting. Malta is an old sort of CIA place, right? And, uh, that's what he ends with, the Malta meeting. Admitting that John Paul II was essentially a giant CIA symbol figure that helped to end the Cold War. Now, the point is not that that makes the Soviets good guys. and John, it, The point is that the, the powers, the, the geopolitical powers, are the ones behind the scene crafting the narratives and structuring this these events to go in a certain direction and while the soviets are horrible terrible people not monsters absolutely have you not noticed that the people that we are under now are 10 times the monsters they were that's the point you didn't go from bad guy to good guy 
as your master. It's from bad guy to really bad guy. So let's look at lives of others to see what I mean. Which is a really good movie, by the way. Uh, I won't be playing the sound because it always dings the copyright. There's no point in playing the sound. So there's the trailer. It's a German film. Das Leben der Anderen. We're all living in America in the East German Stasi. And it really is a great movie. It's a little slow, so you have to be prepared for it, you know, being a really serious foreign movie. And <clears throat> that's our main character, Weisler, I think. And he is he's the uh, Stasi officer in charge of surveillance. And so he's tasked with, if you don't know the plot, with spying on uh, a, an actress and a uh, composer playwright guy a writer guy um, who are suspected of subversive Western activities. Now they're not actually subversive Western figures. They're just kind of normal people, but they're having a hard time doing their, their artistic work under the Stasi and under the communist system in East Germany, because if you don't know the Stasi and the Soviets, oftentimes they had these really bizarre and strict culture rules. So they would ban any kind of art or music. I remember seeing there's a list one time of like synth pop bands. Like you couldn't have, I mean, there was Soviet synth pop that you could do, but you couldn't do Western synth pop because they might have subversive, you know, Western ideas in it, right? So it's pretty, oh, I'm, I'm not even on the right page, my bad. Let's see, let's go. Yeah. So this is our uh, main Soviet man here, Vizsla. <clears throat> and... Keep in mind, too, how many of the parallels you'll see, especially if you go watch the movie, but between the attitudes and the techniques of the Stasi and the way the Koof operates in the world and in our minds. It's almost like Koof is a big Stasi operation, except 10 times crazier. Because all the things that these people set up and want to do as Stasi... They couldn't dream of having what Klaus wants. There's even a scene where Wiesler goes to get the files on everybody. And it's like everybody has giant files on them. It's like this huge Indiana Jones warehouse of Stasi files on every every person and everything that they've ever done. And it's like they'll have anything on you. It's just insane. It's like a control freak nightmare panopticon. Uh, oh, you know, one time you said that the party's uh, nacho chips weren't weren't good and that the West has better nachos. That's an anti-party activity, right? It's like that crazy, right? I mean, they weren't eating nachos, but they were eating some of those socialist, uh, you know, Latin American nachos. Some of them uh, FLN, FLN nachos or something. I don't know. Um by the way, guys, if you would hit like and share, we got a nice, uh, nice evening crowd of almost 600. But this guy, I mean, this is just cast so perfectly. I mean, this dude is an amazing actor. He plays this role perfectly because he just has that like uh, intense, you know, nerd with authority face, right? And the coof, it's almost like 
this is what they want to put in place, except it'll be, instead of this dude, it'll be like purple haired people eater people, right? And so his job is to set up surveillance on the actor, that uh, this guy, the playwright, and the, the playwright guy and, and, and his uh, girlfriend, who's the artist or the actress, that girl, right? So his job is to spy on them, monitor them, and he has to sit up in the attic of the apartment building. And what he finds out is that not only is he kind of jealous of the guy who's the playwright because he has, you know, he's dating the beautiful actress woman. She's like the most famous actress in, you know, East Germany or whatever. But, you know, he's having to visit these gigantic fat hookers. He doesn't have any love, any any emotion or, or, or contact in his life. So he's jealous of the playwright guy who's dating the actress who really loves him. And so the more that he surveils, the more he realizes that the system that he's working for is not actually about what it's supposed to be about. Because he, he represents a true believer. A true believer, like Mullah Ram says, right? He really believes in socialism to the extent that, like, when they're having jokes at the lunch table, right, he's, like, correcting people's jokes because they're not socialist enough or whatever, right? Like, he's he's a serious believer. But he's noticing that his boss's boss, the party boss, is in charge of the minister of culture or whatever. It's not even about people who are going against the system, the party boss just wants to date the actress. So he's like, uh, find something on the playwright boyfriend. And so he's like, well, if he's a good socialist, why are we trying to plan? So he started to realize that this whole system is a fraud. It's just about people screwing each other over and riding on each other, blah, blah, blah. No different than what we're going into. What do we just see in the last three years? rat out people we got ratted out one time in austin for an event because we had 11 people or 13 people at an event when coof started two more than the allowed uh, uh public gather i mean it's just crazy they called the cops on me they were out there filming me and they sent the video to the austin police and the austin police came out there like we don't care we just have to come out here because we have to come out they thought these people were ridiculous, right? So Wiesler's over here bugging everybody's apartment. They know everything, right? They know everything that is going on with the actor, the actress and the guy, blah, blah, blah. You get the idea, right? <clears throat> and as often happens in these dystopian type films, which this is a dystopian, the policeman for the system begins to have a heart. He begins to realize this system is ridiculous, dude. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And he realizes that he's jealous and persecuting this guy because that guy's actually a stand-up guy. And so he has a change of heart. Now, I won't spoil the movie because it's it's a movie that everyone should see. Not because I'm saying that, oh, we got to get back to a Cold War. We got to get back to CIA. No, no, no. It's not about good guy, bad guy, because the system here is terrible. And what I'm trying to explain to you is that the system that the people that won the Cold War want to set up and are setting up is 10 times worse than the Stasi system 
because of the tech that the Stasi would have could only have dreamt of having. Could you imagine if they had supercomputers at their behest? If they had the ability to access in a click of a button the files on everyone. So if you want to understand the nightmare world they want to build, go watch this. And in this, because it's 1982, they have a, uh, they have to get a secret typewriter that they want to write a message to the West on, right? They want to publish something in the West and they can't use the normal typewriters because the, the Stasi only allowed one type of typewriter in East Germany. And if you typed on another type of typewriter, they could figure out who you were. So they had to get the secret typewriter that the Stasi didn't know about to write an essay about uh, how the Stasi uh, harassed and persecuted and, and killed people who, who were dissidents, right? So that's what the film's about. A lot of very tense sort of Hitchcockian type of moments in this film. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm not saying watch this film because I'm just championing you know skittles western cold war stuff okay we're way beyond that here we're way more mature than that here by the way guys hit like and share also uh leave me a super chat if you want me to answer your questions next up is the marion stuff we're going to get into that because i found some uh some interesting i found a, a, an academic paper analyzing Bayside uh, uh, that's pretty wild I mean I, I don't know anything about this Bayside stuff dude that that's if you can't see that that is fake and and just preposterous then I can't help you I mean it's just like but but I do recommend going and watching uh lives of others das Leben der anderen yes I'm surprised to see almost 600 people here for what usually gets two or 300 people so glad the audience is growing. If you're new here, this is what we do. We don't do, uh, I mean, there's plenty of people out there covering the nightly news. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about Bayside with Zach Morris, right? <laughs> the Bayside apparitions, which is just the most ridiculous, fakest thing you've ever seen. Same with Medjugorje is too, but they're all tooled and tailored perfectly for Cold War bullcrap. And I'm going to show you that and we'll prove it to you. But if you're new here, this is what we don't do that. I do some news commentary when it's when I feel like it. But I mean, there's a million people that cover the news stories of the day. And then in a week, nobody remembers the show they did on the news story of that day. I don't do that. All of my content, 99% of it is evergreen. So if you're over here and you wonder what's going on, you can watch my movie analyses from six years ago and it still holds up. You don't watch somebody's news analysis from six years ago and because nobody remembers the news a week later. But this right here, this is evergreen, baby. Like Santa Claus Christmas tree, evergreen. Santa don't got no fake tree. Anyway, go watch Lives of Others. Screech, did you know you didn't know Screech was a Stasi spy at Bayside? Of course. What have I been telling you this whole time? I will blow your minds though about Parker Lewis. Because if you watch Parker Lewis, Parker is running a an intelligence agency at the high school. 
And there's even references in some of the episodes to that, to it being the high school version of the CIA. I'm not kidding. I was like, hey, wait a minute. So this is like society in miniature in satire, but Parker is like running black ops at high school, basically. So shout out to Parker Lewis. Um, Bayside. Let's get to Bayside. Uh, where is it at? All right. Got to pull up Bayside. Damn Bayside apparitions. There we go. The Virgin and the Bomb. Virgin and the Bomb biggity, baby. Now, this paper <clears throat> is a really well done academic paper. It does not get into uh, CIA operations. It does tangentially touch on it. Tangentially. So before we get to that paper, though, oh, I, I want to show you this, too, because this is relevant. This was a, a London uh, Spectator article. Why is... Oh, I've already changed it. Crap. Let me go back to the Spectator. Now, this one is about Medjugorje, and this is a, a London Spectator article written in 2008 about Medjugorje. So, if you don't know, uh, there's these apparitions in the Roman Catholic world that have been happening. Well, I mean, there's a lot of them, right? We go all the way back to the Middle Ages or whatever. But in the modern world, everybody knows about Fatima. We're not going to talk about Fatima. We're going to talk about the other ones, which are modeled on Fatima. That's a key indicator here, which, what's this guy's name? Vojic, Vojic the guy that writes uh, the Virgin of the Bomb paper. Uh, the the apparitions are all modeled on Fatima. And one key indicator that these are manufactured is that they kind of rip off and rephrase stuff that's in Fatima. Okay. Now, I don't believe Fatima, but we're not going into Fatima tonight. We're just looking at Bayside and Medjugorje because they're modeled on Fatima. And they're, they're even kookier and quackier than all the other ones. But amazingly, there's quite a few people who believe these. Now, most of the, I, 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 when I was in the trad world, nobody I knew believed these things. I, I didn't meet anybody who believed in Medjugorje or Bayside, but apparently they do have some trad cats amongst them because I didn't realize that the Bayside apparitions do actually try to appeal to trad cats. And there's all this anti-communist flair in those, which I did not know about. And that's a key key indicator as to what's going on here. So when we look at Medjugorje, now other trads are pretty hip to this, right? EMJ, he admits that Medjugorje is a Cold War psyop, as far as I understand, which is relevant. It doesn't prove or disprove anything. It's just relevant to other people are noticing this. And this guy, the spectator, wrote this article, Sexualizing Apparitions, in 2008, where he says millions of people travel to Medjugorje each year, but Simon Caldwell uh, says the, the world, uh, but the world-famous pilgrimage site might be exposed as a fraud. Now, obviously, it is a fraud, but is it just a money-making thing? No, it's more than that. So, in 1976, Franciscan monk, uh, Father Tomislav Vlasic, like the pickles, Father Pickles, Father Tomislav Pickle Blasic Pickle, started an affair with a nun who got pregnant. Spicy. 
already using that. He's using that monastic pickle, using the plastic pickle, uh, frightened that he would be exposed as the child's father. Father Vlasic persuades her to move to Germany. She hopes that she will honor his promise to leave the, the ministry and he, that she, he will marry her. She writes a sequence of increasingly anxious letters. And when this doesn't happen, tells the former lover that she is miserable and she's praying that she will die in the childbirth. He piously orders her to be like Mary and accept her destiny in this foreign land, never to tell a soul who the father really is. Unfortunately for him, some of the letters fall into the hands of the woman's landlord who scandalized, copies them and sends them to friends in the Vatican. Six years later, Father Vlasic is a spiritual leader of six children who say the Virgin Mary appears to them in Medjugorje. Uh-oh, so red flags right away. Okay, this guy's like fathering babies, having little pickles, mini pickles. And now he's a spiritual leader where supposedly Mary's appearing daily in Bosnia-Herzegovina. Local bishop said this is baloney. He is not having any of it. The priest writes to John Paul II to say that Satan is working through the bishops to, uh, you know, subvert. Worse luck, Vatican official with copies of his love letters take an interest in the case and sends them to the bishop in question. Disgrace, the priest heads to Italy where he has a new mistress and sets up a mixed-sex religious community devoted to the apparitions who continue to party like a bad dog continue to party like a bad dog is that a british phrase simon coldwell simon where did you get your 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 uh your 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 turns of phrases here partying like a bad dog do the brits party like bad dogs i've never heard this this is a bizarre phrase anyway party like it's 1999 part like a bad dog so this just gets crazier and crazier right this is nuts. This is the this is Medjugorje, right? And Medjugorje is bigger than Bayside for this weird sphere of apparition stuff. But pay attention because you're going to notice it's not just kooks and quacks and scammery. We're going to get into some psyops here. So Father Vlastic uh, moves to Italy, has a new sex commune or something and then it says parties like a bad dog for seven partying like a bad dog for the next 17 years till a vacant official who ruined everything for him becomes pope benedict so benedict i didn't know that was anti-medjugorje three years into benedict's pontificate father pickles finds himself severely publicly disciplined which is rare uh, which has attracted 30 million pilgrims and 27, 30 million Roman Catholic goobers going to this stupid thing. And the guy behind it is a complete quack. He's accused of heresy, schism, and immorality, aggravated by his mystical motivations, as well as the, uh, as well as the dubious dispute, diffusion of his doctrines, manipulation of people's consciences, bizarre mysticism, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he would he would not communicate with the Vatican and is therefore confined to a monastery under the pain of excommunication. Uh, Pope uh, or uh, Father Pickles says, "Oh, you're just attacking Medjugorje itself." 
Why would Pope Benedict want to attack Medjugorje? Perhaps because it's not true. They have in their origin, in fact, de facto schismed. And this occurred when Paul VI tried to transfer a group of parishes from Herzegovinian Franciscans in dire need. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care about all this. Uh, oh, this is interesting. For uh, Fierce Croatian nationalists sided with tiny mustache men during the world, world War II. One of them was Father Miroslav Filipovic, who earned the title Butcher of Janisovac, stationed at the Ustasha concentration camp. So these are the Roman Catholic Ustasha that uh, killed a lot of Orthodox people, if I recall. Later, many of these joined Tito's communist state-sanctioned church, another act which sent the Pope's apoplectic. Paul VI's papal bull, Romanus Pontificibus, authorized disciplinary measures against these people, blah, 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 the quacks, the people seeing the visions. Uh, Father Pickles was the priest closest to the children and remained in that position for many years. He's probably molesting him. Boasting to John Paul II in a letter in 1984 that he was the one through divine providence who guides the seers of Medjugorje. So he's the handler to these poor children or whoever these seers. In the days of the apparitions, Our Lady was uh, not only a partisan for Herzegovina, but preoccupied by it, described it as, described these rebels as saints. So here's, so Mary has the higher authority, you see. So she's telling directly these quacks that they're saints and that's giving them the impetus to disagree with uh, Benedict and the, the papal clerics right so you notice this is the danger of all these kind of apparitions and giving heed to uh, visions and mystical things like this this is why in orthodoxy everybody in the a shout out to my prelest boys right we all know what this, this is a p word prelest and everybody in orthodoxy recognized that within two seconds this is pretty less. <laughs> Mary is not telling all these people all this quackery. And by the way, if she was, why is she just repeating and using all the same phraseology, copy and paste from Magigo- from Fatima? Which Bayside will do the same thing. And by the way, why doesn't she identify the real people behind all this stuff? <laughs> right. So it's always the Mary's message is always just having to align with what the Western power structure wants, you see. And you're going to see that here. So, uh, anyway, more lurid, dirty tales of people sleeping around at Medjugorje. We're going to go past all that. We don't care about that. Uh, Ratzinger banned all the pilgrimages to Medjugorje. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Where's the Vlasic line about turning it into I'm missing the main part I'm looking for the communist part here we go here we go by then but black Vlasic had by then already turned Medjugorje global. He proved to be a genius at marketing the phenomena in the West where it was viewed as part of the wider Catholic struggle against communism. So he tied this into the struggle against communism and that's going to be crucial 
when we come over here to Bayside because Bayside 100% is that. So let's go to this and we'll, <clears throat> we'll go through some of this. Now, again, this is not directly talking about, oh, you know, CIA was handling the people. We don't know that. But what we do know is that this is tied into Cold War propaganda. And that's going to be very obvious when we look at this document. Okay. So one, I thought this was funny. One of Mary's uh, so-called Mary saying at Bayside, <laughs> it's like written. It's almost like it's like as bad as the evangelical stuff about Gog and Magog. If you read the book of Ezekiel, Gog and Magog, which represents Russia, that's the Cold War, right? It's like just repurposing and retooling biblical prophecy to whoever is, you know, against the U.S. or whatever. My children of the United States, do you not understand what is ahead? Your country, the United States, has not known what it is to suffer through destructive forces. My children, you shall not escape destruction of that bear of Russia communism, right? So it's like, wait a minute. This is a Cold War propaganda. Hey, wait a minute. Right? You cannot compromise your faith to save what is left there. Everything upon earth will fall as rubble in the great chastisement. The ball of fire. The baptism headed for mankind. 1978. Now, pay attention to this ball of fire stuff because this baloney bunch of predictions will actually predict specific dates when this stuff is supposed to happen. And of course, they're failed predictions. Well, did it happen? No, it didn't happen. And wait till you see the flyers that they created. It's it's about to get wacky, dude. It's about to get wacky up in here. Okay, so let's see. I did not know, because I used to have Roman Catholic friends that would talk about this. I didn't know this comes from this stuff. You I, every now and then when I was a trad, I would hear you know people talking about the great chastisement. What, what, what are you talking about? What is that? And they're like, oh, you know, Our Lady, blah blah blah. And I, just, I always, I always just never paid attention to this Our Lady stuff because you know, as I've complained many times, when I was in the SSPX, <clears throat> like it would just annoy me to no end that people in the SSPX knew everything about Fatima and couldn't tell you what was in the Book of Exodus. And that always, that always annoy the crap out of me and the tri-cats love this kind of stuff right even the ones that don't believe in bayside or whatever they're all about this chastisement they'll, they'll even get into some of this stuff what i'm trying to say so let's see this is one of these mary sites all right well i guess that's not going to work the great chastisement told by mystic blessed anna maria taga Taiga. Oh, oh, so they're repurposing. Is this the Bayside thing? I don't know who. I don't know who these people are. I'll keep up with it. Who's Anna Maria Taiga? Or is this some? This looks like some old 1920s stuff. Now, there's another one in uh, Nocebo, the one I'd never even heard of. This one's crazy, too. Uh, then there's Garabandal, so there's a bunch of these, but Nos N Nesida. 
Our Lady of Nasida. I mean, this stuff is so quacky, dude. I can't... I feel sorry for your Roman Catholics that fall for this stuff. Anyway, so... I guess what's going on here is that whoever this woman is, Anna Maria Taigi, this gets repeated by the Bayside Mary. Let's see what this says. <clears throat> Beginning in 1988, so this is like a different one. A woman began receiving the apparitions of Jesus. Oh, this isn't Mary. This is Jesus. He said, uh, my name is Jesus, King of Nations. He called her his secretary. <laughs> okay. And uh, who is this woman? Jesus wants all to proclaim the dogma of his mother as Mary, mediatrix of all graces. Okay. Sure. The great chastisement. And the great renewal. I mean, this is just ridiculous. I can't believe Roman Catholics believe this stuff. And they're just like the evangelicals because when these uh, prophecies fail, they just retool them. Oh, it wasn't about that. We misread it. It was something else. Anyway, who forget all this stupid stuff. Let's go back to that to the document. So, as you're going to see, uh, this is these prophecies are not fulfilled shocker right i know you guys were shocked because you thought i'm sure you thought all these things were truly going to be fulfilled and so the 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 paper goes on to talk about you can get this paper on academia.edu i recommend it reading the whole thing we're not going to read the whole thing but we're going to go through the highlights um the key here is that right away uh all of the the lines that Mar mary supposedly said through the bayside apparitions consistently fed in, fed into the anti-communist cold war rhetoric of the neocons and so the virgin mary became increasingly apocalyptic over the series of these apparitions supposed apparitions and fatima became the template for the all of the future apparitions including garabandal nasido nasibo nasido and medjugorje and bayside and let's see the intensification of devotion to Mary began in the modern period under in the 1950s due to the apocalyptic anxieties of this time period Fatima inspired Marian revivals attracted millions of Roman Catholics worldwide and were endorsed by prominent figures in the Catholic hierarchy Pius XII and Francis Cardinal Spellman and Archbishop Sheen both of whom worked with the CIA were known for their popular radio hosts and the promotion of new Marian devotions. Um, 1968, when J uh, RFK is assassinated, that very day, a housewife from Queens named uh, Loiken? Mary? What's her name? Lo it just says Loiken. Anyway, she's the Bayside woman, the seer. She said, oh, the saints started coming to me. Uh, Teresa of Lisieux, Virgin Mary, they all appeared to me and they started talking to me. And she, I am, quote, Mary's voice box. And so Mary gave 300 messages through this kook woman here. Let's see this woman, I'll show you her picture. So that's her. This 
homely housefrau, right? Which uh, makes sense. So Veronica Loiken, that's it. And this is her talking to Mary and sending kisses to her. And so these were all published in a book called Roses from Heaven, which is uh, 3,800 pages of Mary's messages through her. And none of them predict the future. They're all a bunch of gibberish. And they're all just like copy and pastes from older apparitions. The diocese uh, rejects this claim. Even in the 70s, they were saying this is baloney. And what immediately emerged from the apparition predictions was a series of failed predictions and patterns of deception. There were claims, for example, early on of vampires that would be loose in America. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> there would be an imposter pope. The Illuminati would take over. And the Illuminati would work with vampires and demonic UFOs. <clears throat> I was with her until the vampires part. <laughs> Bayside prophecies have also had a clear antecedence in all the Fatima messages, as well as the supposed Nasida appearance, appearances of Mary in the 1950, all of which contained explicitly uh, apocalyptic themes, as well as oh, Garabandal too in 1960, 1965. That's another apparition like this. All of these dealt with divine punishments for the spread of communism. Like Garabandal, the scenario described by uh, Sister Ver Veronica Loiken includes the coming supernatural worldwide warning, which, here's the warning she predicts, in one instant, everyone's sins would be revealed. This would be followed by a great miracle similar to Fatima, and for all the people who did not immediately convert and change their lives, there would be a horrible chastisement, the great chastisement. This would then lead to the end times. <clears throat> the apocalyptic messages coincided with a Cold War conspiracy about the third secret of Fatima that had not been revealed. When in 1960, the papacy said that the third secret had been revealed it was turned out to be a nothing burger which led to the conspiracy theory amongst the trad cats that the papacy was subverted and is now suppressing the true third secret this then led to these kinds of conspiracy theories amongst the marian apparition cults in movement this is its whole own thing you understand in, in the world of rome and in the world of trad cats this is its own crazy own thing Tricats at this point, oh, this is a fake third secret. We don't know the third secret. Most of the apparitions are filled with, here's a crazy thing, uh, catastrophic versions of millennialism and nuclear exchanges which lead to a fireball of redemption. <laughs> so God sends the giant fireball. Every time I hear fireball, I think of that those, those big old candies that take forever that like are really good for like two seconds because they're super hot and then they taste like hot vomit. Nobody else had fireballs? Do they still make fireballs? I don't even know. The nuclear fears continue to be a theme throughout all the way up into the 1980s into her 
predictions of the nuclear chastisement, which will knock over all of the houses and flatten them like a stack of cards. Uh, all of the imagery is borrowed from Nagasaki and Hiroshima images, and we are told that Russia, Red Russia, in the 80s will nuke America. So again, failed prophecies right there. Then uh, Loikin predicted that Russia and China together would invade the U.S. in the 80s. Full-on uh, Red Dawn. So we're full-on Red Dawn, right? Are you starting to... Red Dawn's propaganda, by the way. Are you starting to notice that this is engineered and tool religious propaganda? And as we know from St. Paul, when prophecies don't come to pass... Even if it's an angel that appears to you, you don't listen to it. Deuteronomy 13, Deuteronomy 18, Galatians 1. If an angel appears to you and tells you and it doesn't come to pass, you don't listen to that or that's a false prophet. Now, we're going beyond that, just that false prophet, are they influenced by the devil stuff? Yeah, probably. And we're going into the, no, no, this is also Cold War propaganda. And I'm going to show, I'm going to prove it to you. Even though this academic guy doesn't talk at all about espionage. It's nothing to do with that. Although he does say that she predicts the infiltration of America by the, by the Soviets. Right? Who are, the Soviets are going to nuke us and invade us, she says. Red infiltration was a big theme in this. And by the way, that AA1025, do you guys know? This is another classic thing in the trad cat world. This is all propaganda. I can't believe the Tricans can't figure this out. Now, it doesn't mean that there's no Soviets. We just covered the the colon book. But this is a classic amongst the trads. Right? They love this thing. This this goofy thing. You guys know about this? AA1025. This is CIA propaganda. I can't believe, I can't believe they can't figure this out, right? Let me show it to you if you guys don't know this one. Where is my desktop? That's not it. This old thing. The Tri-Cats, man, they love this stupid thing. Marie Carré. And this is... this. If you don't know, we'll read this description. This I, I have my copy up there still in my, my Tri-Cat shelf. So this is this whole thing of, oh, Stalin is going to send uh, KGB into everywhere and they're going to take over the west it's all part of this tradcat like narrative right that it's the kgb running everything and that they've taken over the vatican absorbing a compelling read from beginning to end aa1025 or the memoirs of communist infiltration of the church is a must read for the catholic today since the 1960s the 1960s a french uh, nurse marie carré attended an auto crash victim who was brought to her hospital whom she does not name. The man lingered there in death for many hours and then died. He had no identification, but he had a briefcase in which was a quasi set of quasi-autobiographical notes. She kept these notes and read them because of their extraordinary content and decided to publish them. This little book is a result of that, A1025, or the memoirs of a communist infiltrator into the uh, Catholic Church. Strange and fascinating account of a communist who purposefully entered the Catholic priesthood with many others with the intent to subvert and destroy the church from within. His strange yet fascinating and illuminating set of notes tells of the commission to enter the priesthood, his experiences in the seminary, and the means used and promoted to help affect the dissolution of the church from within. 
No one will read this book without a profound assent that this is going on. I, right. Oh, it's not the Vatican. It's not the CIA. No, it's the it's the Soviets inside the Catholic Church. Well, now there is no Soviet tra tradcats. The Soviet's not there anymore. So who's got Francis doing all this? Now, we just showed you that old JP2 was part and parcel with the CIA. And we know Francis's background. Francis also was aligned with the CIA when he was uh, the archbishop in his country, Bergoglio, right? Because he's a Jesuit. And I think it's uh, who somebody detailed that. Ingdahl. I think Ingdahl has an essay on uh francis is no it's in uh, metropolitan seraphim of Piraeus. he has a, a chapter in his letter to francis on francis's background working with the cia yes it's francis or it's it's a metropolitan seraphim that's what it is uh, if you've not read his letter to francis there's a whole section on that so I'm not saying that there were no KGB infiltrators in the Vatican. We, we just read that there were. But they didn't win. They, they were rooted out, according to Kohler, under John Paul II, because Casaroli was the Vatican spy catcher. So a good ways into John Paul's pontificate, the Soviets were done. They, didn't have, they, they were no longer... In having these inroads and, and, and manipulations in the Vatican anymore. So who took the Vatican in this crazy, wild direction? Well, the Vatican's new masters. That's who. The people that we've been talking about for so long. And it's not hard to figure that out. Because here's a trad cat who wrote a giant 900-page, 1,000-page book on it with a 1,000 footnotes telling you who and how it all works. And now we can have in place and understand this goofy Marian stuff. Not that. Let me go back to the <clears throat> apparition uh, paper by this professor here. Yeah, here we go. All right. <clears throat> By the way, uh, support us via Super Chats. I want to remind you guys, too, we got a nice, deep crowd tonight. What do we got? Still 500 people hanging out late. 500. Nice to see you guys here. Uh, if you want to support the show, remember that it's also important to up your toxic masculinity. I want to see more toxic masculinity out there. I want to see you using that Tonkatali which you see right here. See that? Go get that. That's on Catalyst is peer review proven to boost testosterone. Go read the studies at chalk.com. If you go to chalk.com, you can use the promo code J50 to get 50% off all of these awesome supplements that you see here. There's the daily. That's a good one for overall supplementation. If you want the daily, if you're looking for overall energy boosting, I recommend the action 2.0. It's good for energy. If you got low energy problems, low energy, low energy. Irish moss. If you're a lady with those hormones out of balance, get some of that Irish moss. I promise you it'll help you out. 
But again, uh, for mental clarity and focus, Jamie really loves the Sheila Jet. That's her favorite. She reads tons of books when she takes the Sheila Jet. I'm not joking. She really does. She focuses when she takes her Sheila Jet. She also has been taking the Ashwagandha because she says that helps her deal with my spurgatism and my crazy uh, antics. Correct? Yes. She's now asleep because my voice puts people to sleep. I'm talented at that. Another talent that I didn't know I had. All right. So getting back to this goofy thing. <clears throat> Look at that house, Frel. All right. So scrolling. Let's see. We're over here to page 13. <clears throat> Medjugorje. Medjugorje. Father Gruner comes up. Interesting. Now, when I was a trad cat, somebody signed me up for that stupid magazine and it forever came to my mailbox and I could not get rid of it. I did not want that dumb magazine sent to me. But for some reason, I just forever, for years, like every week, I would get Fatima Crusader. And I'm like, I'm not a Fatima Crusader. Why are you sending me Fatima Crusader? I don't need this. Well, you get it, you get it anyway. And he goes into, uh, especially as the Cold War was ramping up into the 60s and 70s, not only were these things popping off, right? Apparitions just popping off left and right. You go into the potty, apparition. You go into the park, apparition. You go in and play a little basketball, there's an apparition. The little Theo Vaughn, right? But the groups like Fatima Crusader really capitalized on the Cold War 50, I think, maybe, I don't know if Fatima Crusader was in the 50s, but he's saying that this Cold War time period really allowed the Marian groups to push the Cold War line of CIA operations and propaganda, especially under McCarthyism. And it says that... Uh, in the case of Loiken, she clearly incorporates directly aspects of previous Marian apparitions, um, not just Fatima and Garibandal, but in fact, she copied from La Salette, Lourdes, Pontmain, Balrang. I've never even heard of these Marian apparitions, as well as many of the themes present in premillennial writings, or excuse me, millennialist Marian writings of St. Louis de Montfort. He's a Roman Catholic saint, not an Orthodox saint. The anti-communist prophecies of Sister Elena Aiello. Never heard of her. And, oh, here we go, Father Gruner. So she's actually cribbing from Gruner. Interesting. Who died in 2015. The publisher of Fatima Crusader Magazine, which was a, a Cold War propaganda outlet. I feel, I don't know this, but I guarantee you in regard to what we just read in uh, the Kohler book and in the, uh, Paul Williams that Fatima Crusader would be one of these operations that the CIA and Vatican put money into uh, because he does mention that there was there was just vast networks of these okay that's the key thing here vast networks of things like Fatima Crusader and the idea behind this was use the Marian apparitions as a tool for Cold War propaganda to fight the battle against Soviet atheism and plenty of these people are happy to use this 
even though these are obviously bogus, fake, quack things. Now, again, this author, this academic doesn't go into the CIA, but you'll notice that this is why he does touch on why it would be useful. Interest in Veronica Loiken's apparitions grew in popularity throughout the 70s and 80s, and the, mo the movement then superseded the previous apparition site of Nasida as the nexus for a new devotion for devotional desire and an apparitional cultus that channeled all the apocalyptic fears and communist fervor, especially with all of the apocalypse predictions. During the 1980s, Reagan was characterized characterized the Soviet Union as the evil empire. Because at this time, Paul VI, which we just read in the Kohler book, Kaler Kohler, Paul VI was seen as uh, aligning himself with socialism. Uh, Bayside, I didn't know this, Bayside called him an anti-pope. Now, I don't know if Bayside called him an anti-pope in the 60s or if this is in the 80s. That's what is not clear in this part of the, of the paper. But you'll notice, let's see. So this would be set of a contism way early. Even, even if it's in the 80s, uh, one of the first set of a contest books is only just now being printed in the 80s. I wish he had put when she said that he was a fake pope. Let, let me see. Let's read a little more of this and see if we can see, because that would be very crucial to understanding the rise of Sedevacantism. Oh, here we go. Down here in the middle. Page 14. Okay, check this out. So, by the way, the Sedevacantist movement didn't begin with Tuke because Tuke was at Vatican II. And if I recall, Archbishop Tuke signed Vatican II. And Douglas Valentine says Tuke during Vietnam was working with the CIA. And you'll notice that these uh, apparition trad stuff also oftentimes connects to the CIA as well. That's via everything that we just covered in the first two hours of this talk. That's why. Let's see what it says about Paul VI. Most Catholics embraced the updates of Vatican II and Vatican II's aggiornamento. Uh, however, like other Marian apparitions, this was associated with traditionalist ideologies. The Bayside prophecies predict, depict Vatican II as the, uh, and the renewal of the church as heretical, part of a vast conspiracy of communist Freemasons and Illuminati, as well as other satanic infiltrators. Loikin's messages condemn Paul VI and endorse who endorsed the reforms of Vatican II. They assert that Paul VI is not the real Paul VI, but was in fact poisoned and held captive and that he uh, was replaced by an imposter who had undergone plastic surgery. 1986. Now, so she's saying this in 1986 about what had happened. So here is a set of a contest anti-Pope claimed by Bayside. Interesting. In 1986. This doppelganger is, in fact, an anti-pope who was a communist agent put in by the KGB. Oh, come on, give me a break. He was then tasked with 
uh, installing the modernist changes in the church <laughs> right now. Kohler's pointed out that like Paul the sixth was literally getting briefed by Kissinger. So, I mean, this idea that Paul the sixth is KGB. I mean, this is just the most ridiculous, you know, tried cat theorizing that imaginable. This is just, just kooky, right? Totally divorced from the reality. But uh, this is a, a common theme in a lot of the Tradcat stuff nowadays. There we go. I mean, you'll, you'll find this at, uh, amongst the set of Acontis quite often that John, uh, the Paul VI was an antipope. Even some of the theorizing that he was uh, replaced by the uh, by the Soviets as a fake body double, blah, 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 all this nonsense. But notice this is set of Acontism in 1986. From Bayside. Now, I can't think of any other. Kumar Swami wrote his set of a contest book in the 80s. But there would have been almost little to no set of a contism in the 80s. Right. Let's see when the SSPV was founded. Let's look at a couple of these. Because they they might have existed in the 80s. Let's see. Okay, so this was formed in 83. So, not too far off of Bayside. But that's interesting that Bayside's right about the same time as the founding of the SSPV. Coming out of the SSPX in 1983. So, let's see about this CMRI. When was that? founded CMRI oh that's even older no well the congregation of Mary is founded in 67 but so they trace their line from loot from Tuke right yeah but were they set of a contest in the 60s maybe they were the first You guys can't see this. I'm reading the the various SATA groups trying to figure out who was the oldest. Uh, let's see. Um, that's weird. I'm, it's, I'm having a hard time finding out who was first. Early proponents. Patrick Henry Omlor in 1965 expressed the view that Paul VI was not a pope. Francis Schuchart, uh, 1960s. A lot of these groups went crazy. So Schuchart is CMRI in 1967. Okay, so I guess there were explicit SATA groups in the 1960s. Uh, SSPV 1983, uh, 82, Conclavus in 1998. Okay. Oh, but wait a minute. 
Tuke doesn't con doesn't consecrate anybody until eighty one. So if the CMRI people don't get, so they don't actually go back to, because if they trace their lineage through Archbishop Tuke, that doesn't happen until the eighties, early eighties. Anyway, this is just crazy. Um, I know you guys don't care about that, but it, but it matters because of the set of a contest. I mean, this is like early set of a contestism before most of today's set of a contest groups is my point. And when you get into this stuff, it's just total quackery, dude. These groups are total quacks. Now, if, and I was joking around in my notes here when I was analyzing this, but I'm like, now, wait a minute. So if this is Mary really visiting, like, where's Mary's critique of the Fortune 100? Where's Mary, where's Mary's critique of British intelligence and the fact that Britain is who released Marxism on the world and uh, on the, uh, on the rush on Russia? Where's Mary's attack on usury and monopoly capital? Where's Mary's attack on the CFR, the Rockefellers? Oh, none of that. Mary just conveniently singles and and picks out the Soviets, the, the Russians. Well, maybe Mary, Mary is the voice box of the CIA. And if that is the case, then these are not apparitions. These are psychological operations tooled to the purpose of Cold War propaganda. And I'm not the only person that thinks that. You'll, you notice that they even admitted that in the Medjugorje, that the priest behind it just tied it into all the Cold War propaganda. Now, Bayside gets even more ridiculous because on page 19, it talks about... This is, this is where it's going to get really good, right? It talks about... Polaroids, so they needed miracles to prove and bolster this. Miracles, I kid you not, Polaroids that these goofy, superstitious people, you got to see some of these to believe it. You won't believe it unless I show you. <laughs> Wait till you see these Polaroids. Polaroids from the 1980s that are supposed to be miraculous Polaroids. I kid you not. And they claim that it only worked on Polaroids because Polaroids, when you move the camera, the light, it makes a light streak. And they literally think, I'm not joking, that these light streaks on the Polaroid are apparitions. I am not kidding. Wait till you see this. Even I couldn't, I uh, had a hard time believing this. I'm like, really? So here you go. There, here's your mirac miraculous apparitions. There's uh, your boomer seer down here on the right, the house for Al Veronica. And these are the miraculous apparitions. No, it's not moving the camera, the Polaroid, as you take the photo. This is Mary and the angels appearing. I can't, I'm not. I, I'm not joking. Now the best one is the 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 words that were supposedly spelled out. Jacinto, 1972. Okay, and you ready for some serious schizo stuff? 
they actually think that these images, these stupid Polaroid images, contain secret messages <laughs> of dates, January 20th, 2022, of an explosion in the sky. Uh, it didn't happen, by the way. I don't know if you guys didn't know this, but in, in January 22nd, 19, 2022, there was not a giant fireball chastisement. I mean, this stuff is just insane. This is like Marty Leeds level uh, craziness, right? I mean, th this is like Gamatria level stuff. Just quackery, kookery. I mean, here and this is all like, there's a lot of people in the trad cat world. They are into this. Here, here you go. These ridiculous signs and wonders of freaking Polaroid cameras. Possible date of World War Three, October thirteenth, twenty twenty. Okay, sure. And so they're they're literally trying to deconstruct total schizo level, just gibberish written on Polaroids. Jacinto, nineteen seventy, and some of them say that it's like it's like if you turn it on its side, it's a it's a bishop holding a a, a staff, and it's crooked. I mean, it's, this is just insane, right? And it's all, of course, it's on a GeoCities blog, right? Of course. Um, but trad cats, come on, come on, trad cats, seriously, you guys, come on, come on, that's, that's not Mary, dude, <laughs> that's, that's, that, these are not miraculous Polaroids, dude, go get a Polaroid and take a photo and turn, move the camera as you take the photo and you will see light streaks, it's not angels. Sorry, hate to burst your bubble, but this is ridiculous. Pre-last, I mean, this is this is like atheist fuel right here. This kind of stupid stuff. Now, how do we know for sure that this is a bunch of jibber jabber? Well, because the predictions didn't come true, and there's a whole bunch of them, and this is no different than. Remember that evangelical preacher. <clears throat> Remember that dude? What was his name? The guy that died not too long ago. <clears throat> Harold Camping. Remember him? And he he predicted the future all the time. The rapture, all this nonsense. And he into the world. And of course, when it never happened, he would just repurpose the prophecies. Well, I got it wrong. Uh, there was a CNN thing on him. Doomsday Guru meets his doom. Anyway, you get the idea. <clears throat> if you never heard of Harold Camping, it's just it's the evangelical version of this nonsense, right? All right, so the Jacinta photo that we were just looking up, right? Jacinta 1972 is a Polaroid image taken in 1971, believed to be the direct communication from Jacinta Marto from Fatima who appeared to Veronica Loiken in a vision <clears throat> and confirmed that she had inscribed the message on the Polaroid. The photograph is variously interpreted to reveal an exact date and hour of the coming chastisement due to the fact that in 1972, Satan had entered the Vatican. Oh, Satan entered the Vatican before 1972, I can tell you that. The Polaroid predicts a coming chastisement 
from you got it the bear of russia who will uh set loose nukes yeah sure the messages in this period particularly were instructed because they pictured the virgin mary squaring off against the soviet empire so it's like literally mary versus soviets the collapse of communism uh, as it was occurring throughout this time period, the 70s and 80s, was viewed by Sister Loikin and her followers as a deception. The Soviet Union had not really collapsed. Communism had not really collapsed. This was an elaborate deception. Oh, that just happens to be Alexander Golitsyn, uh, excuse me, Anatoly Golitsyn's uh, baloney fake story about how it was all a, a, a mirage that the, the Russia had not collapsed it was all fake new lies for old go read Mark Hackard's uh, essay That that's just CIA propaganda I'm sorry if you guys didn't know that but everybody asked me about that stupid Galitzin book like I get asked about that about once a year I'm like that's it is propaganda obviously can't figure that out do you really think Moscow is in control of the Fortune 100? Really? Just idiocy. Stupid. Now get this. Guess who stepped up to play a role in this? Pat Robertson that we were just talking about to last night or two nights ago, whenever it was, to Charlie Robinson. In fact, like many other prophetic uh, claims the Soviet Union <clears throat> was playing a key role in the last days. The end of the Cold War was regarded by the Bayside's as a fake false peace that the new lies for old propaganda. In other words, that's a CIA line that just happens to be the exact same line from Bayside. This view was also expressed by televangelist Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson works for this establishment, if you didn't know that. Who claimed that the collapse of the Soviet Union was a devious plot. It was fake. And that rather, Russia would revert to its communism, return to become, becoming a world power, and take over the world. Unbelievable. Wow. So, if, again... He, he doesn't even know that he doesn't even mention Anatoly Galitsyn in this paper and like that's the Anatoly Galitsyn the supposed defector the famous defectors story is that they would fake this that's all just created from the, that's all CIA narrative okay when Yeltsin took over Russia the West raped and deconstructed Russia do you not understand that get get this it gets even crazier so in the 2000s up in the 90s, I should say, and then in the 2000s, Bayside changed its story. Now Mary started saying <laughs> that it's time to go after Iraq. <laughs> so she's literally backing up like the total neocon desert storm crap, saying that Iraq is working with Russia. <laughs> I mean, what? Now we get to the best part, which I put on Twitter. If you guys didn't see, this is awesome. So get this. This this really cracked me up. This is one of her apparition. Mary says, 
Russia plans to invade the United States with missiles. <laughs> Jesus. So it's like, what? And you read this and it's, it's, I mean, if you guys can't tell that's Cold War propaganda, I, please unsubscribe to my channel. I mean, this is just, this is not for you. This is not the channel for you. Okay. We want people with at least 90 IQs here that can understand that that's not Jesus saying that Russia is invading America with nukes. Now, understand that this is an actual prediction. The front page of the track from 1983 for her group, and she had a big network pushing this stuff, predicted a nuclear attack imminent, imminent, due to a communist Russian invasion that was coming. Kid you not. 1983. Uh, guys, did, did we see a nuke attack and a Russian invasion in the 1980s that was imminent? No. We did not. Ergo, fake, ergo, retooled, get this, as we get up into the 2000s, post of the Big Nine event, can you guess what the Bayside idiots retooled all of their messages to be about? Oh, not Russia. Islam, you got it. Bin Laden. Just so happens to support the American government line now against... Due to the Big Nine event. More recently, no shocker, the Bayside devotees have concocted versions of Loikin's messages to be about the coof. Well, what do you know? She just predicted everything, didn't she? And even though uh, all half of this stuff is just all completely baloney and fake, oh no, just retool it all. Oh, it's about the next thing. And what do you know? Isn't it amazing that Mary just happens to be like a trad cat cold warrior? It's just it's just so fascinating. I didn't know Mary had such a, an affinity for neoconservative politics, but apparently she does. So there you go. I mean, this is clear religious engineering. 100% Cold War propaganda. It's not just kooks and quacks. There are kooks and quacks, but kooks and quacks can play an important role. They can be used. They're very useful, as Miles Copeland says. He says, we use uh, losers who believe that they're chosen for these divine things. Rem guys, remember Mirage Men? Who does uh, the counterintelligence guy in Mirage Men say they pick for all this alien gibberish? They pick narcissistic idiot dummies that believe that they're special. He says that in the, in Mirage Man. He says that we pick them to be, that they don't even know that they're being used as tools of disinformation. Hello? See a pattern here? I'm noticing. All right, let's go to the Super Chats. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's deep dive into Cold War espionage geopolitics, Jesuits, CIA, manipulation, religious engineering, apparitions, mind control. It's all there tonight, boys and girls. It was a cornucopia of a cornucopia cacophony of con, I don't know what I'm running out of alliterations there. Uh, let's see. Ortho. No. $3. Three dollars. 
from Tropes. When do we get fake and gray world premiere drop? Uh, it's on my Twitter. What do you mean? Orthodox Defense, $1. Jay, have you read Ivan Ilyin's book, Resistance by Force? I have it on the shelf. I've not read it yet. It's an amazing book. Here's the link. Yeah, it's on my shelf, but thank you. Uh, but I've just not gotten to it yet. Uh, John Le Carre. Oh, we got the Cold Warrior himself. John Le Carre up in the chat sending 10 bucks. We covered your movie, your excellent movie with Richard Burton, which explains and backs up a lot of what we talk about. Guys, did you guys not watch the... What was that stream called? I've already forgotten what it was called. Uh, uh, Dialectics... We covered some really cool spy movies that make this point. Dialectics, J. Dyer. And we covered the Richard Burton, John Le Carre movie. Spy came in from the cold. Yeah, here it is. Dialectics of Manipulation. Uh, espionage in The Man Nobody Knew, The Courier, and The Spy came in from the cold. If you've not watched this stream, that's a full-on movie stream that actually makes a lot of the points that we make tonight. Now... I doubt, I don't think, John LeCarre is dead, isn't he? Didn't he die? Uh, let's see, when did he die? Let's see, is he still alive? No, he passed away in 2020, so that is not the real John LeCarre. Uh I didn't actually think it was. AIDS McGillicuddy, 25 bucks. Can you get, can we get impression of Ibarra reading Wim Hof? Well, I mean, let's see, eight, a thousand pages at Ibarra speed. Uh, we'll be here until, how, have, you, have you seen H.G. Wells' time machine? You know how it goes into like eight, to the year 800,000? That's what we'd have to go to when we get to about halfway in this Wim Hof book if we read it at Ibarra speed. John Courtney Murray, Time Life Magazine, and American Proposition. How's that? Thank you for that super chat there. Uh, AIDS McGillicuddy. S-I-L-I-D-A-F-D-E. This is like a computer speaking. This is a chat GPT. <laughs> Here's a tip. $5, and then it's some kind of big government link. Oh, I'm not clicking on that link. Sorry, dude. But thank you for your super chat. BMX 1966, $20. Great stuff, Jay. Thank you, BMX. Shout out to our longtime super chatters and supporters. Woo -woo! Woo -woo! Now somebody will bitch about that. Quit banging on the table. Quit screaming. Your audio is the worst. BMX 1966. Where is the Pope of the future? How is he doing? We will have to send an email to the Vatican of the future, which is actually located inside the target city where I live in the future. Uh, but there's a quantum email uh, device that we have where we can send emails to the future through the quantum phone. So I will email the Pope of the future and see what he's up to. Uh, but we have, we have, we haven't checked in on him in a while. Um, random anime figures that I can't decode $5. What do you think of the inner disposition of these subversive figures in religion looks like? Uh, well, like in the case of the Soviets, some of those guys, I mean, they were full on believers in Sovietism, right? So some of these people, I think they really believed that they really believed in Sovietism and the in, in 
socialism. You know, they're like the character Wiesler or whatever his name is in, in the, lives of, the Lives of Others. I'll do a whole other movie analysis breaking down Lives of Others because I, I took notes, um, but I didn't really go into the movie and the plot, just to kind of overview. But uh, are they just cynical figures who actually believe in their own religion? Uh, all the above. I mean, I think some of these duped people that are used... Like if you listen to the Richard Doty interview in the in the movie in the Mirage Men, he's like, we just pick like weirdos that are narcissists and we feed them disinfo and they believe it because they think they're chosen for this mission. Well, uh, that sure sounds like this deluded housefrau, Mrs. Loiken, right? So all the above. Zach Floyd in three dollars. Props for bringing up lives of others. It's an underrated film. Absolutely, it's an amazing film. And it, I uh, now that I'm reading about Stasi, I appreciate the movie even more. And uh, <clears throat> it has a redeeming message too, right? Just because it's a pro-Western film doesn't mean we have to hate it. Because there's truth and falsehood on both sides of this Cold War dialectic. But that doesn't mean I support any of the atheist stuff. But that doesn't mean that I think, oh, then I'm going to be, you know, a Roman Catholic Jesuit. They were the good guys. I mean, who's... Who's pushing all this stuff now? The Vatican. They're not the good guys. Mel you $100. Thank you for everything you do. Wow, fat super chat. Wins the super chat of the night. Thank you so much. Mel you. Mel University. That's what I'm talking about. You want to get paid? Go to Mel University. Because Mel University keeping this stuff going, baby. Costly $10. This is an amazing stream. Hey, thank you. I hope that we're beginning to see that it's not just this dumb low IQ thing of Mary and the Vatican and the trad cats versus the evil Soviets that we're still fighting. I mean, the trad cats, many of them are still stuck. They still think this is going on. Like that's, they think that this is the what's going on now. Not all of them, but many of them. Some, many of them are, are smart enough to, you know, figure out oh, that's kind of stupid. Wait, what? But there's a lot of goobers out there and there's goobers in the orthodox world that still think that this is what i mean it's just silly man um thank you for not trying to be an orthodox life coach minister no that's a bunch of scammery too and anybody that says they're an orthodox life coach i would stay 100 miles away from seraphim macabeus ten dollars have you read the conspiracy hierarchy committee 300 yes um jamie though is going to uh do a podcast on that book it is packed with information on all the NGOs, the drug trade, et cetera. Yeah, it, it covers pretty much everything accurately. Correct. Rat, $10. <laughs> the 80s metal band. Thank you for all the hair band. Thank you for all that you, that you do. My wife and I are going to be baptized after leaving the world of tri-Catholicism. There you go. That's good news. Your videos have helped us put many things into the right context. $10 from Rat. Thank you so much. Ferdinand galliard ten dollars i probably asked this on every stream but i heard the greek orthodox church and the antiochians are woke globalist well the reality is that in all the jurisdictions you're going to find people that are woke and on that side now certain jurisdictions tend to be a little more on the side of woke uh so go arch you can find that more often there uh oca actually has quite a few uh woke um, anti-orthodox people 
And you'll find a lot of these people on social media saying to don't listen to me, avoid me, like they were doing this last week. Uh, so we'll be responding to all those people and all that in the in the upcoming in the few in the next, upcoming days. Um, but I attend Rokor, so and also at times go to a Serbian church. So, but I can't tell you that every Rokor church is going to be. I mean, there's bad Rokor priests as well, but it does seem to be a little more heavy-handed in the OCA for the, some of this stuff. But uh, what's a good Orthodoxy 101 book? Well, it kind of depends on your background, where you come from, but I usually say start with something like St. Athanasius's uh, On the Incarnation or um, Mystical Theology of the Eastern Church by Vladimir Lossky. Those are good good starting places. But, I mean, those are starting places if you have some kind of theological background. If you don't have any, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe read Father Seraphim Rose's Orthodox in the Religion of the Future. I mean, it just kind of depends on what your your background is and where you're coming from. So if you guys want to read that uh, paper, I recommend that it's the Virgin and the Balm by Daniel Wajchik. Wajchik. You just type in the Virgin and the Balm in academia.edu. It'll come up. Um, but anyway, so now you see the tactics and techniques of uh, both the, the Stasi, the KGB, and the CIA and what was going on at the Vatican, who was making what alliances, what they wanted to achieve. And here we are, years later in the aftermath of that. And this does relate to what's going on with Skittles and Benedict. And everybody's talking about this book that came out from Benedict about Skittles and the priesthood. Dude, everybody already knew that, first of all. But it does also relate, I think, to part of the reason why he was pushed out. We'll talk about that down the road in uh, future streams. Anyway, everybody have a good night. Subscribe, if you would, to the website to get access to the archives. Go to my Rockfin the best free free speech site on the internet. If you want to uh, support me, uh, you do that by going to chalk.com and using the promo codes. There's also that excellent promo code J60Life, which gets you 60% off any of the Chalk products on recurring subscriptions. So if you want to set up <clears throat> that recurring subscription, I've been talking so much, I'm losing my voice. You do that using the promo code J60Life, L-I-F-E. And that gets you 60% off recurring subscriptions. Also, uh, we sold quite a few of the philosophy courses. So I'm very happy with what we saw in the first uh, few weeks of pushing the philosophy course. And so far, everybody seems to be happy about that. Now, a lot of people have been asking, okay, when is... Um, uh, let's see, I got a, a text from BG Cumbie. So BG is going to be on Tim Cast's uh, pop culture show, Pop Culture Crisis. So they do two podcasts there. So everybody look for BG to be on that. Uh, on I forget. I don't know what night they're flying him out there, but the philosophy course. Here's the cool thing: we're gonna do. If you signed up for the tutoring. The way it's going to work is every Thursday, starting March, let's see what day we picked. And you will get, if you can't make it like on a Thursday night or whatever for live tutoring, you can watch the live tutoring the next day. But we're doing it week by week. So if you purchase the tutoring option of the philosophy course, 
the way it's going to work is each week you get the the access to the next lecture and then i'm there for the tutoring for as long as you guys want and that begins march 11th no 9th yeah okay so thursday march 9th will be the first tutoring course for the first course the introduction to philosophy with the pre-socratics and then as you guys know it's a 12 course lecture going all the way 30 plus hours going all the way up into the modern period so it'll be uh, each Thursday at, I don't know, eight, seven, eight, somewhere in there. And the, the tutoring will follow upon the, the lecture that you've watched. And it'll be week by week if you chose the $1,500 option. If you chose the $999 option, you just get the courses and you do it uh, as, at your own pace as you see fit. But glad to announce, happy to announce that we did sell several courses but the course is evergreen and it's always on sale and I will be teaching it every season, every few months, the same course. And we will add new courses and pondering what course I want to teach next over there at Autonomy University. If you go to the uh, marketplace there, the Autonomy University marketplace, Autonomy Agora right here. Uh, you get access to the philosophy course if you guys are interested in that. People are saying, oh, it's a little pricey. It's pricey because it took me 70 hours to put it together total. It's 30 plus hours of course lecture. And so it was a lot of work. And it's still cheaper than freaking community college. And so like somebody was like, your course is not much cheaper than community college, but it's a lot better. If you think that the quality that I would give is equivalent to a community course, then go to the community college. So somebody's talking about Dugan. You got to realize I've done multiple critiques of Dugan. Like all you low IQ people that just call me a Duganite because I analyzed his book one time. This is so silly. Like how many times do you have to hear me critique his Gnostic worldview that I don't agree with? Like, it's just super low IQ, dude. ASDFASDF. Do you want to come on a live stream sometime and talk to me? I'm at a lodge meeting. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the... I have countless videos and podcasts like, critiquing this stuff. Sure. Maybe he's joking, though, because we often make jokes about... Dugan coin. Putin pays me in the only Soviet-backed crypto. It's Dugan coin. Oh, he's he's saying bless your heart. Yeah. Do you have any evidence that I'm a Duganite, given the fact that I've done three critiques of Dugan's Gnosticism? So it's just like straight up lying, right? Like what? <laughs> All right, man. I'm sorry. No, you're not. Get out of here, dude. Where are the mods at? I'm going to ban these goobers like this. Get out of here, dude. I hit 